Hello, and welcome to episode 182 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, he fucking loves fingerlings, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. Can I touch your hair in a non-sexual way? (laughs) On this week's episode, we've got trailers, Murderville, a quantum leap, and $70 billion isn't a real number, all before diving into our flick of the week. Don't look up. But first, Al, welcome to the show. You really caught me off guard there. I know. I didn't know what to do, and I caught myself off guard. I just wanted to, I wanted to just delay it a little bit. It's okay. But I didn't Um, really know why. I really like that we both chose quotes from the boy without consulting about that. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. (laughs) Because he did have, not having a ton of lines, he did have probably three of like the top ten lines in the, yeah, in the movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. He really did steal the show when he was on screen. Yes. Because that, because your line was one that I was considering as well, and (laughs) <laughs> there was something else he said at some point too that I'm definitely forgetting now, and yeah, that got, that cracked me up as well. That's so. that's the one thing about like watching a new movie for the first time when we do the show that like I retain quotes that on the second watch, like yes, in quotes, perpetuity. Like <laughs> quotes are really tough on the first watch. Uh, it's something I envy. Like when I listen to Cinephobe, mm. they have such detailed notes. I'm like, I can't do that because you guys are like like rewinding and rewatching like whole seg- segments of this movie to, yeah, to get um, quotes down. Each movie would, would require two watches. And I also think would kind of deteriorate the spirit of this show. Sure. And also like other, like, like some of the movies they choose, like are the ones they've watched a million times. Sure. It's just to say some ones we haven't, but a lot of them are new releases. Like that was like the gist of the show is we wanted to mostly focus on new releases. Yeah. We were applicable pandemic, not withstanding. Sure. Um, so it's a lot tougher to do that in a movie theater. Excuse me, everyone. Could you please <laughs> hang on a second? We need to just I need to reel, that roll that reel back a little bit. I know it's all digital now, but fuck you. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> oh man. Yeah. I, uh, I think about this every time we sit down to do the show, but man, I love movies. I really do. They're, they're pretty great. Oh, Al, what are we drinking this week? So we are drinking Dewclaw Funk. You have to yell it. Yeah, even though it doesn't have an exclamation point, but I it, I don't know why it felt. That's a word that I feel like you don't like tiptoe around. Like, I feel yeah. like that's an authoritative word. It's probably because it's so close to fuck and that's such a sure. like guttural authoritative word. But anyway, it's Duclaw Brewing's Funk. It's a blueberry citrus wheat ale with natural flavors. It's 12 fluid ounces, unfortunately. 5% alcohol by volume. <laughs> I love that that's just become a thing, unfortunately. <laughs> it's uh, crafted in Maryland. Craft to be cherished. Rules be damned. Um, just dig it. Is that little... Uh... Slide into the groove of this soulful fusion of American wheat and hops that sets the rhythm for a stunning encore of blueberry and Meyer lemon. Why Meyer lemons, specifically? I don't know. And also, I... I'm going to make a hopefully not too shameful admission here. Mm-hmm. I thought Meyer lemon was only a soap. I thought it was a brand <laughs> of soap. That's you awesome. know the Meyer's lemon, lemon soap. <clears throat> like there's that brand of soap that has that specific thing across. Like it's a hand soap, it's a bar soap, it's a detergent. Like, and they're all that. Well, so it, I always for like I'm not. I didn't learn that Meyer lemon was a thing. Now I mean for like a long time. Sure. I thought it was just a brand. Isn't like. But Meyer, uh, Myers is like a, is a soap brand. So maybe they were going for like a play on words, right? and then that makes me feel not as bad then. But 
I because I think like the Meyer lemon is a thing, right? It like, is, yeah. And I always uh, like associated it with that brand, and so I assumed it was like Meyer's lemon soap, <laughs> not like we're using Meyer's lemon in our soap. I, I want to point out that I, what I really want to know is like what makes a Meyer lemon like special. And well, is that yours? So I, I so I, <laughs> I typed in Myers Lemon VS, and the first result that pops up is first regular. <laughs> the second one is first Eureka, which I think I want to click on first. <laughs> also, there's a whole other thing going on in the back of my head that keeps having me almost trip over it, and that, that there's this basketball player named Myers Leonard. Okay. And okay. so I keep having that, like I'm like I'm waiting to trip over it, and it's going to get me eventually. Ready? You ready for this? Yes. This is from Citrus.com. So you know it's legit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, before you, before you do that. You do that. No, because it was just such a specific thing today. So this week, or this month on Cinephobe, they're doing Sylvester Stallone movies. So they did Over the Top. Okay. Rocky IV. Mm-hmm. And this week they did Cobra. That episode came out today. Okay. You know, uh, Cobra's kind of, you know, he, whatever, he was a cop. He, it was like a dirty cop, I guess, you know. Um, yeah, Marianne, I'm not sure if I've seen that one. Marion Cobretti was uh, the character's name. Great. And um, <laughs> during at the end of the show, they usually do trivia. They, you know, they read the, some of the interesting notes from like the MDB trivia. They do a little research, specifically Maze, like the producer tends to do a lot of research to see what he can find about the making of the movie or like legacy of the movie, stuff like that. And for some reason, Amin must've gotten fascinated in his own time, like looking up the thing and he started reading some stuff and basically like, we don't have to do any more. And he goes, no, there's all this other trivia. He goes, yeah, no, I read it all. And he goes, no, no, he goes, trust me. I mean, I read it and Amin's reading it and he couldn't get through it because I pretty sure Maze said, I like tried to fact check that trivia and it's just like, not accurate and one of the bits of trivia was that whatever i don't know i never saw the movie i just listened to the episode i don't need to see the movie i got my enjoyment from listening you got the gist and there's a scene where the claim in this trivia was that it was the most citrus fruits in one scene in all of movie history (laughs) okay (laughs) which is worth a chuckle right sure but (laughs) it was with the assertion that it is the preferred Christmas movie of people in the citrus industry. (laughs) (laughs) Because seeing all of those citri is like Christmas? Like, I mean, I almost died trying to get it out. I'm um, I'm driving my car. I I am, like, crying laughing. Just listening to him (laughs) crying laughing about it. Tropicana Christmas party, they just put it on in the background. <laughs> like Cobra on repeat. Amazing. I'm sorry for that weird I, rabbit hole, but I, I was like, just to see that today. I, I don't know why, but I have this itch to one, watch that movie and find out what the scene is that they're talking about, and then two, debunk it. Like find another movie with a scene that's like, no, no. That's the most interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Go through every movie we could possibly find that has any citrus fruit and see if we can find more. One day I will make a movie and in it they'll they'll just there'll be a lemon grove farm. I don't know. I'm you... assuming it must be a grove, right? Yeah. Something like that. Citrus fruit is definitely grove. Or we'll just uh 
we'll just shoot the movie in Sorrento. And when you walk around the streets, there's just lemon trees everywhere. <laughs> Why is it an apple orchard, but mm. an orange grove? All right, I'm going to Google Grove vs. Orchard next, but first, we need to get through this piece. You do that, I'm going to Perfect. Grove vs. Orchard. All right, so what's the difference? Uh, I put Meyer Lemon vs. Eureka because that was the second one that came up and it sounded interesting. And like I said, this is from Citrus.com. Wait, quick, quick, quick pause. Yep. I typed Grove vs. into the search bar and Orchard was at the top. Grove vs. Orchard Fantastic. I'm pretty excited about this. Continue. Meyer Lemon Trees produce smaller orange-yellow fruit that is thinner-skinned than Eureka Lemons. Eureka lemon trees produce oblong, juicy fruit that has a medium gold color, and, and while the skin is I'm thicker... Sorry. Are they alle- are they alleging that these lemons are football-shaped? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And while the skin is thicker than that of Meyer lemons, it is softer. Meyer lemons tend to be sweeter and less acidic than Eureka lemons. I feel like I, feel like I want to get down with some Meyer lemons. Okay. And work with those a bit. Uh, but I do know now. I know what they're talking about because I have definitely had both. And I like every once in a while there'll be a bag of lemons in the fridge. Um, like if Kim has brought them home, and it's like if they are, they're like mini footballs. They remind me of the small Nerf, like the small Nerf football. Yeah, I, I know what you mean because it's the one where it's like kind of got like the body, but it's got like the weird protrusions at the end. It yeah. almost looks like a corn on the cob with like the holders on the yes. end of them, right? Yeah, I the corn on the cob holder. <laughs> something I haven't used in a like it. I, I when I was a kid, I remember those being out at a barbecue. Yes, we still put them out when oh, we have them, but I tend to not use them. I most often just eat it barehanded. Yeah, I mean, is it, I guess is the idea to not get get sticky hands. Like well, also hands? like sometimes like I feel like if it's too hot to hold, you probably shouldn't be biting into it because you're gonna burn your face when it squirts. Well, the idea is to have it as hot as possible. So you can melt the butter on it. Sure. And by the time you've melted the butter and salted it, it'll have cooled down slightly and it's ready to eat. But you would have been burning your hands and getting butter and salt all over your fingers while holding it if you didn't have the holders. Confession time. Okay. I, like, rarely, if ever, put butter on corn on the cob. If you have really good corn, you don't have to. But it's always better with it. So it, It is good. I went through this whole thing where, like, for a while, I couldn't really taste... The difference between things with butter and without. So I, I thought you were going to say for a second, for a while there, you couldn't tell if you knew what corn tasted like. I don't know. <laughs> corn <laughs> tastes like... <laughs> Kim and I were talking about this the other day. The first person that um, discovered... I'm going to say discovered, because I assume that that's what happened. Popcorn. Do you think like it's just like really hot day? Like some corn that was on the floor popped, tried it, and went, holy shit. <laughs> like, well, I'm, I'm assuming... We have either a Native American or possibly a pilgrim sure. has harvested corn, is freezing in Massachusetts, let's call it, has built a fire, is eating his corn, it's all he's got, except for maybe some alcohol, has drank some alcohol, falls asleep. The corn cob rolls out of his I hand into the fire, sure. starts popping, wakes the drunken pilgrim and or Native American up. Scares the ever-living shit out of them. Realizes it's just the corn he's not getting shot at. Sure. Eats the corn. Profit. Okay. Um, you read your story. I'm going to see if there's any answers about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just get on. I think just, that's right. Before we do that, can we just pause the recording? I need to get on Wikipedia real quick. I'm going to type something. <laughs> and add that. That's great. 
Um, okay, what is the difference between a grove and an orchard? This is on gardenguides.com. Okay. An, an orchard is a grove, but a grove is not necessarily an orchard. Grove is more inclusive than orchard, referring not only to the fruit and nut trees of an orchard, but also to any type of trees growing in groups without underbrush, according to the Georgia Department of Agriculture. Although grove and orchard are almost interchangeable, custom, more than strict meaning, determines which word to use in a particular context. Huh. An orchard is a planting of fruit, nut, or maple trees, according to the Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary. The word orchard has Old English and Latin roots, meaning yard garden, or I could we could just probably shorten that to yarden, right? Sure. Um, considering the literal while we're meaning, making up words, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> consider literally in this case, we are literally having an, an etymology uh, <laughs> discussion here. <laughs> considering the literal meaning of these words, it follows that a yard garden. I'm going to consider, I'm going to call that yarden from now on is a place to grow food in common usage an or- orchard can consist of one type of tree, such as an apple orchard or various fruit trees, in which case it's generally referred to simply as orchard. And, um, a grove is a small group of trees without underbrush, especially trees that bear fruit, says the dictionary, Merriam-Webster again. Grove has its origins in old English from a word meaning, <laughs> I'm so sorry, <laughs> that sentence wrapped around to the next line uh-huh. and it defeated me. I'm going to, I'm going to pause slightly further down the line than I did. I'm going to call it one word farther down the line. Okay. Grove has its origins in old English from a word meaning grove. <laughs> Sorry. Love let it. me read that sentence again with the whole sentence. Now grove has its origin in old English from a word meaning grove or cops with a meaning similar to thicket. Therefore, grove can refer to any small stand of trees, deciduous or evergreen, or a small wooded area kept free of brushy undergrowth. That is the most offensive version of defining the word with the word I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, also, I mean, I definitely have to call you brushy undergrowth at some point (laughs) in the next few weeks. (laughs) So anyway, it sounds like a orchard is specifically cultivated for a type of trees, a type of fruit tree, whereas a grove can have it, but doesn't necessarily have to. So I does that mean like an orange grove trends towards being promiscuous and they just let anything grow in there? I think it's not... like uh, orchards are intentional and groves are like, well, holy shit. <laughs> we That's we now have a lot of oranges. <laughs> <laughs> what are we drinking? Funk. Let's try this thing. <laughs> yeah, this has got to be one of the longest tangents we've ever got on prior to sipping. This, uh, right? The fun reminds me of, I've been watching a lot of Batman the Animated Series teaser yes. for later, um, but uh that reminds me of like the Joker font, like in all of his little projects. Mm, the funk I, font. I dig it. Cheers. Cheers. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, <laughs> all right. That definitely. It's funky. Is a blueberry citrus sweet. There's to no use the word to describe them. <laughs> Still not as offensive as a grove is an old English word for the word grove. Do blueberries grow in a grove? I don't think so, because technically they grow on a bush and you can't have a brush. Are they underbrush? Grow. I don't know. The only time I've ever seen them, they've also been intentionally cultivated in rows, but definitely, bu- definitely bushes. Underbrush is what you did at the end of a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I thought specifically it's one that you do at the end of a car shower, like mm. when you go through the car wash. Don't they do the underbrush? They do. They do. I, uh, this is, this is, I mean, there's no other word to describe this but funky. It's definitely a blueberry citrus wheat, right? Mm. Like, like all of those things are definitely 
are definitely uh, present, as is the fact that it's like a sour beer, right? So yeah, that's like, where it, the funk comes from. It kind of, it doesn't taste like it's alcohol. Yeah, it kind of. It almost tastes like a some like a mocktail. Yeah, I was say not blueberry juice, but like some sort of blueberry concoction. Sure, not not not, not blueberry juice. <laughs> Al, oh, I think just... we need to start a new podcast. Experts okay. in nameology, where <laughs> we just hang out and we discover the origin of certain words. Or in some cases, make them up as we go along. I agree. How about this? We each come up with three. Okay. Two, we have the real explanation for, and one, <laughs> we each make up, and the other person has to guess which one's real and which one's Is this going to replace fun and games? <clears throat> like, where, is this going to replace toys? No, this is, this is its own podcast. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a whole podcast? Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to come on with three words yeah. each? We, we do it once every season. Okay. Over Gorgonzola for us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I can finally have them. I'm not going to tell you to brave... The treacherous world of the pandemic for those sure. fries. But eventually, you're going to reach a breaking point where you're like, I just need those goddamn fries. I'm going to try them. I really want to try them. I don't know what to give this beer on account of, I'm not convinced it's a beer. I mean, it's definitely beer. <clears throat> Excuse me. I apologize. I, I went for a run in the not-so-cold cold today. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think I was my congestion was gone enough to do that. And it really, oh. I think it might have set me back. No, what just happens is, like, you get that, like, vaguely asthmatic effect where, like, your bronchial tubes, like, constrict around the bit of mucus. Sure. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. I- I'll go, I don't know, two, two, two thuckles? Two, two sounds right. Two thuckles? I-, I can build a consensus there, yeah. Single thumb. I like it. Yeah, it's pretty I'm solid. Just it, this is definitely the wrong season for it, right? Sure. Like, I, like we, sh- we should have probably had this, like, three months from now. If I recall, the claw is is pretty solid, right? Like I feel like it's a pretty safe bet when you grab. A yeah, I I've definitely had a bunch of their beers. Some of them have been in collaborations. They do a lot of collaborations. Mm. Interesting. Very funky. Very funky. I like it. All right, <clears throat> let's get into some news and nuggets. I want to know about these trailers you're talking about. Are you sure? Because right before the show started, <laughs> it didn't necessarily seem like you were... Al sent me two trailers to watch today, and both of which got me excited. Well, to be fair, hang And on. then we're underwhelming. I'm going to be fair. No, I'm going to be really fair to you. Yeah. I told you to watch one trailer, and then I sent you the other one, and you watched the one I sent you the link to. It is. So, I didn't actually send you the other one. Yeah. That being said, this is damning you with faint praise because it required almost no effort on your part to go look up the trailer for the first one I sent you. <laughs> no. no. It was uh, Lord of the Rings. What is it called? I don't even know what this thing is called. So, yeah, so that's the one you want to start with? So it's yeah. uh, the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon has finally released a teaser trailer. Um, but basically it was just with the uh, intention of giving us the name of the show because to this point they still hadn't given us the name of the show officially i don't believe so it's lord of the rings rings of power mm-hmm. and it's really just uh kind of a superimposed like cgi video of like the the smelting of rings of mm-hmm. power with what else do you the, smelt you smelt anything that's made of metal i think don't you oh, okay i don't know like you smelt iron typically i guess these were gold so maybe you don't 
<sighs> no, actually, Goldmember has has instructed us twenty years ago that he lost his uh, his dick in a unfortunate smelting accident. What do you smelt? <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I know whoever smelt it dealt it, but sure. <laughs> a form of extractive metallurgy. Yeah, metallurgy. To produce a metal from its ore. Okay, so okay. that's so metals. So it's basically you the refining. It's the ref- it's the refining of of any metal from ore. So it's not even like the creation of, like I guess that's right. That's smithing, right? You smith a metal, forge. You forge For- metals. You for- or forge items from metals. A smith forges. Yes. Smith and forge. Yes, a smith that's forges. A beer. Yes. Right. No hard cider. Hard cider. Maybe it's hard. To, it's definitely it's hard some to. sort of alcoholic drink. The reducing agent is commonly a source of carbon, such as coke. Yes, iron coke. Ah, charcoal and coal. Yes. What's the difference between charcoal and coal? One is charred. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say it, unless you yelled at me first. <laughs> <laughs> it's not charred coal. It's charcoal. Yes. Yeah, in the same way that a yard garden is a yard, and so is charred coal is charcoal. I don't even know where we were. Oh, wait, smelting of the rings. Yeah, sorry. I guess I was I, I misstated that. It was the forging of the rings of power, and it was voiced over by, I'm assuming that's the actress who's playing the new young version of Galadriel, because mm-hmm. that was the voiceover of the prologue to The Fellowship of the Ring. She redoes it right. in this it's new voice, so I'm assuming that's who it is, is her again, so... I forget the name of that actress. I'm too lazy to look it up. We've talked about it a million times on the show over the last two Kate years. Blanchett. No, that was the original one. Um, oh, I thought that's what you were asking. I thought you were no, no, no. Oh, There's sorry. a new actress sorry. to play a younger version of Galadriel because this is like a few thousand years before that. Sure. So, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was just cool to get that. Just to get like the blood flowing on the uh, whole Lord of the Rings show thing that's coming out at some point this year. And don't ask me when that is exactly. Yeah, that's pretty cool that it's soon. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Something else to watch. I'm in a bit of a show drought at the moment. Um, so that'll be nice. Uh, yeah. Um, on that <laughs> note. I'm I was just a little upset that it was the trailer was just like I had mentioned to Al was a repurposing of a voiceover from the original movies as a trailer for something new. Um, but it's Sorry, fine. I was, I was looking up here. September 2nd of this year seems to be. Oh, they have like a legit date. Yes. Oh, uh, cool. I cool. thought it was September, but I wasn't 100% sure. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, I, it was just cool to finally get the official name. We know for a fact that this is a real thing that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yeah, I dig it. Now, Moon Knight. Yes. Has a trailer. Correct. Real trailer. Real trailer. And a real trailer that gives me zero. No, actually, less than less that. You than, said that you know, I know less, less about it now. Than I know you less before. about it. It imparted negative knowledge. It, it actually subtracted knowledge from you. I, I feel like going into this, I was like, okay, Moon Knight. We got a new superhero movie. Show. Superhero show. Yes. Cool. And then I'm like, is, is it? Is this a good guy? I don't really know. I don't know anything. I also don't know what's going on. I know there's a lot of craziness going on. Mm-hmm. I know that this guy... Uh, May not be who he thinks he is. Yep. It seems like there may be a case of either mistaken identity or amnesia or mm-hmm. there's and definitely a lot of trippy. There's also a portion of the trailer that takes place in Danny's bedroom from Dr. Sleep. Yeah, pretty similar. And I'm 99.9% <clears throat> sure it's the same set. 
<laughs> like, like exactly the same. Like they didn't even change the decorations. <laughs> M- maybe he was. Maybe it's just the same cinematographer, so it looks maybe. similar. Maybe. Um, the other thing that I noticed from that trailer was like there was that weird uh, all those people kneeling to Ethan. What's his name? Ethan. Oh yeah, Ethan Hawk. Hawk, Who, Hawk. by the way, I had to look it up. I didn't even know recognize him in that. What was that? that but that like looked like. A yeah, I was just about to say, scene? <clears throat> like, it finally from... clicked for me that, that when you said while watching the trailer, <clears throat> oh, there's a scene from Loki, why is there a scene from Loki in here? And I was like, wait, and I'm thinking of the show Loki, and I'm like, mm. I don't recall seeing that in here, did I miss something? But yes, now that you mentioned it, that was very reminiscent of when he shows up in Germany in the first Avengers. That's movie. right. That's right. Man, first Avengers. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know, I'll watch Oscar Isaac and things. Um, he seems to be having fun with whatever accent it is that he's putting on. Well, it's definitely a British accent. I was going to say, <clears throat> after watching this trailer like one and a half times, um, and that very small sample size, one of the better British accents I've heard from an American actor. Hmm. It's pretty rare. Sure. Usually they sound terrible, and that's why people don't attempt. Sure. No, that's fair. Actually, I just realized as I was saying it, we've talked about this before. Is Oscar Isaac American? He's not. He's Guatemala. That's right. He's not, yeah. Um... <clears throat> Although I think, yes, I believe he was raised primarily in the u.s oh okay yes guatemalan american actor so yeah but yeah whoa seemingly what hold the phone are you did you just make this discovery about gaspard uliel because it's it's pretty sad no i don't know what you're talking about what okay so one of the only technically four people who are so far obviously there's gonna be more than four people in the show but the four official credits in the show so far oscar isaac as mark specter slash Steve something or other slash Moon Knight, um, Ethan Hawke as Arthur Harrow, <coughs> and Gaspard Uliel as Anton Mogart slash there was some other name for him too. I don't know why it's not showing up on this because I was looking at this earlier. Um, come on. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. It's not like expanded on this. He's, he's going to be playing some other being or character or whatever. But that guy died today. Oh, my God. Which is really crazy um he's like not very old what happened uh i believe it was some sort of skiing accident my goodness <clears throat> yeah he literally died today he was he was 37 years old wow um he's a french actor i was looking at him when i was i saw the trailer i looked up on the show on online saw that he died and i was like wait that's today's date that's fucking weird that is weird. and then i looked it up didn't read the story but i believe he died in a tragic skiing accident of some sort um, but I'm looking at his picture and I was like, this guy looks really familiar. I don't know why scrolling through his acting credits. None of it's familiar to me. Most of it's French. And then I figured out what I know him from. Now, do you remember that? And this is back from a time when you still had TV. Cause we're talking about 2010, that 2010 cologne commercial for blue de Chanel with the guy who's i don't know if he's supposed to be an actor or what in the movie something sort in the, in the commercial he's some sort of famous and he's like looks like he's gonna apologize or something and he goes i'm no longer going to be what people expect me to be or something like that and then he gets up and walks away and all the walls fall around him and stuff like that no oh see i have this thing and it's it's, it's actually a real thing online where people like talk about how weird um perfume slash cologne commercials are and how some of them still get recycled like a decade or so later. Sure. Like the Johnny Depp one and this one and Natalie Portman one and a bunch the of Natalie ones. Portman one I remember. So if you look up this commercial, I feel like you'd have to recognize it. So. All right. Blue, what, um, what is it called? Blue. 
point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a blue de Chanel. And look up it's Gas- Gaspard U L L I E L is his last name. The only, not the only actor we've lost in the past um, week. There has been a concerning Bob, amount of deaths recently. Bob Saget. Yes. <laughs> Who else was there? Uh, yeah. Okay, I know that. I remember this. It was like as soon as you see it, I was like, "You're gonna recognize." It was more the music. The music I remember. Well, because there was a longer version of it, but there was a always like a shorter version sure. of the commercial as well. So I actually had forgotten about the uh, that the Starman, right? The yeah, uh, David Bowie song. Mm-hmm. I yep. had forgotten that's this. That was in the, the trailer, so or commercials. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's I really that's that's just like a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. It's like yeah, really I mean, what, what are the odds sad. that like it's literally a day after this trailer drops? I had no idea he was in this show. No right. one, I'm assuming, really knew he was in this show. And it's, it looks like he's one of the main characters. Yeah. Oh, so man. That kind of sucks. Um, I mean, death of any sort sucks, but just like the timing of that is like... It's so like weirdly random. abrupt, right? Like, it's just yeah. like, oh, let's see who this is. It's almost not to, <laughs> not to make this like a comedic thing, but I guess, you know, we can just kind of laugh so we don't cry type of thing. But sure. uh reminded me of that stupid um, skit in um, the with Bob and David on Netflix where... Everyone was grieving the death of the fifth beetle that none, no one had known yes. existed. <laughs> oh my god! I've only just discovered his existence, and now we've already lost him. And I—that's what we're going through here with this guy. <laughs> oh man, terrible. Well, that's it for trailers. Uh, I wish we had a trailer for this next thing. Uh, which one is that? Murderville. Yes, I am so very excited about this. Me too. I was so mad. I literally saw this. The news came out from on Twitter, well, just from Netflix, whatever, the day after we recorded last week's episode, um, a new Netflix show called Murderville. Um, I'm going to read this right from the Netflix site, so we're better to get cool. it than from the source. Here's your first stab at the new Murderville comedy series. From get the horse's to, mouth. Exactly. Get ready to punch a one-way ticket to Murderville in Netflix's latest procedural crime comedy, which is executive produced by and stars Will Arnett. As oh, detective. Yes, the senior <laughs> detective Terry Seattle, homicide division. Terry Seattle. <laughs> yes. Every day holds a new murder to solve and a new celebrity guest star as his partner. The catch? Yes, really. The guest stars aren't given a script, and as they assist Terry clue by clue, they have to improvise their way through the case. In the end, it's up to these celebrities alone to name the killer. Are you hooked yet? If each episode... Doesn't have a blooper reel in the credits. I'm gonna be pissed. That feels like an easy win, right? I, I mean, you have to do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, according to the evidence provided in the show's first look pictures, Murderville looks like Law and Order meets Whose Line Is It Anyway? Of course, the point is to break the case, not character. Based on the BAFTA award-winning BBC Three series Murder in Successville, the Arnett-led comedy will feature celebrity guests Annie Murphy, Conan O'Brien. Ken Jong, Kumail Nanjani, Marshawn Lynch, and Sharon Stone. Now, that is a truly random guess. Yeah, like, list that's of a grab bag for sure. Um, Arnett is no stranger to the Netflix universe either, from BoJack Horseman to Arrested Development. Uh, he had that other show that was running concurrently with BoJack 2 that was a live-action show. I never got a chance to watch it, but... Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, he was in another show. I can't remember oh. what it's called now. Uh, the actor and comedian knows how to serve up a good, sometimes belly-hurting laugh. Lee stars be able to keep up with the senior detective and narrow down their suspects on the fly. That premieres uh, actually soon. I forgot about this. February 3rd. Yeah, huzzah. So 
Uh, he also is sporting a ridiculous mustache in these photos. Yes, he is. Is this it? This, I mean, are all Netflix things dropped at once, like the whole season? Um, in my experience, for the most part, yes. But that's not to say that they couldn't change that. Yeah. I do like that some of the streamers have pivoted back to the original, like, or even like if you decide, hey, listen, we're going to release, you know, five episodes now and five episodes like three weeks from now or something like that. Or, hey, we're going to release the first three episodes and we'll go weekly from there or stuff mm. like uh, all those sorts of things. I still like having something kind of to look forward week- to weekly episode. Yeah, because like, well, for one thing, you don't have to necessarily feel the pressure to get it all done all at once right. to be part of the conversation. Um but you can still do it that way if you want to, and whatever. Sure, I, yeah, I, I'm, I am a big fan of of the weekly release, specifically for stuff that I really like. Um, one, it lasts longer, and two, I like that whole. You know, we talk about the book of Boba Fett each week and think about like the possibilities. Versus, if you were to just knock it out all at once, you lose all of the mystery between the episodes. Yeah, and that's kind of I don't know, it's lame. Well, I guess my my kind of my real like concrete thought on this. I just like that, that we, we now are getting back to the point where we have options on both. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a show you want to take down all at once, go for it. And if there's one you prefer to watch weekly, you can do that too, depending on whatever yeah. show you're talking about. Yeah. Like for the same, it's funny. Cause like for something like Boba Fett, I want it that way. Cause I do like to think about yeah. it in between for something like Cobra Kai. I mean, I watched that in like two sittings. And I wouldn't want, I wouldn't, I feel like it's like, I could have probably, lo- lo- I could probably lose interest in a show like that week to week. Yeah. Whereas like, it just gets and then lost I would, in the bustle. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would just forget about it. And then like, oh, I have like the last five episodes of this and then, you know, burn through them. So that works out. Well, cool. What is, you mentioned quantum leap. Those two words together sound familiar. Okay. So I wasn't sure what your mileage on this was going to be. Um, quantum leap was. <laughs> Uh, Quantum Leap was a show in was it the late eighties, early nineties, maybe a bit of both. Let me take a quick look at that. Um, it starred um, Scott Bakula, and uh, <laughs> I can't I can't hear his name and not think about what we do in the shadows. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was a really good. That was a really good cameo. Oh um, man. Sorry, it it was uh, from 1989 to 1993. It was Scott Bakula, Dean Stockwell, um, other people that may or may not be famous. I don't know. I know Dean Stockwell died recently-ish, I want to say, last year, like a couple of months ago. Hmm. Um, Anyway, so Quantum Leap is a reboot now. Um, so the the premise of the show, I think, was... I don't remember if it was intentional or unintentional because I never watched the show. I just know of it. Um, Scott Bakula would get, like, portaled into, like, the body of someone else who had some big problem and he'd, like, help to solve that problem or whatever. And then he'd get portaled back to his real life and stuff. Hmm. And kept jumping from, like, situation to situation like this over the course of it. It okay. was... The if you remember the premise to that Always Sunny season premiere a few years ago, the the one with the what are the rules? Yeah, that episode. Remember they ended it and Scott Bakula, or maybe it wasn't the end. It was like halfway through it or whatever. Because they yes. said, "Is this one of those quantum leap scenarios?" Because remember they look at each other and they all look normal, but they look in the mirror and they're a black family. Yeah, and that was what like what happened is like he would he would get portaled into some new body and he'd go find a mirror to see who he was and where he was and what mm. like. Well, what am I doing here? Type of situation, you know. That's kind of cool. 
So, um, yeah, they're doing a reboot, I guess. And um, they're green. NBC is greenlit a pilot episode. Um, this is a quote from that. It's been 30 years since Dr. Sam Beckett, who was Scott Bakula, stepped into the Quantum Leap accelerator and vanished. Now, a new team has been assembled to restart the project in the hopes of understanding the mysteries behind the machine and the man who created um, it says a, new, a whole new team will be firing up the Quantum Leap project, but Scott Bakula could possibly return. Um, there's been no official announcement, but he has previously revealed that talks were underway, so he at least seems like he was apprised of this situation. Sure. Um, there are very significant conversations about it going on right now. I don't know what it would be. I don't know who would have it. The rights were a mess for years. I don't know if they've even sorted it out now. There's always been the biggest... That's always been the biggest complication. Um, it starred... Scott Bakula is Dr. Sam Beckett, a physicist who created a time machine that allowed the user to travel through time within their own lifetime. After finding himself adrift in the quantum leap machine with no way, no way home, Dr. Beckett resolves to put things right what once went wrong, hoping that his next leap would be the leap home. Hmm. Uh, it also starred Dean Stockwell as Al, a U.S. Navy rear admiral and friend to a Dr. Beckett, as well as Deborah Pratt, voicing Ziggy, the self-aware computer system which runs Project Quantum. Um, I mean, that sounds who, like it could be fun. Yeah, the guy who created the original show is on board as an executive producer. Uh, looks like Deborah Pratt will be back. It says also Martin Jiro. I don't know who that is. Um, Stephen Lillian and Brian Winbrandt will act as showrunners. Um, so we'll see. They they greenlit a pilot. We don't know if they'll continue on making the show. I didn't know if that was one of those we- like weird random shows that you would be kind of like aware of and or a fan of. I figured sure. if not, the idea would kind of intrigue you, which yeah, kind of where it was does. for me. I think my mom might have watched it. Um, yeah, like I could. I definitely know that I've like I've I know I'm aware of it being a thing. I didn't yeah. know anything about it, but like I feel like it's one of those things that's name dropped time and again in like just like comedy movies as a reference to something that like is usually offhanded and doesn't matter for like enjoying the scene. So like, yeah. I never really looked into it, but um, it's one of those ones where like, it's not like a mash or a, like whatever, like super famous show that like everyone sh- watched, but I should it- watch mash. Okay. That's a I'm good, glad I can, I'm glad I can help you with that problem. You kind of threw into my lap like four minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> um, in a way that I had no way, shape or form plan to help you out with mm. in that way. Uh, but anyway, yeah, like it doesn't, it's, it doesn't feel like it was like a mash or a Seinfeld or a friends type of show where it's like everyone watched it at right. the time. Right. right but right. somehow it still has held on to some weird cultural like niche. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, enough people all reference it that it's like, okay, well obviously a good amount of people watched it and really enjoyed it type of thing, like a cult classic type of thing. So yeah, well, that's kind of cool. Sweet. Yeah, let's check that out. I'm curious, though, if, like, hopefully it won't be too, too much of a, you know, wink and a nod to the old show and actually stand on its own. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you can get away with Easter eggs, right? But you have sure. to be your own show and not just assume that everyone watched the show from 30 years ago. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. Unless you were, unless you were Cobra Kai and you cut in enough clips from the original movies to set the stage. Because I've only ever watched the first Karate Kid, and I love Cobra Kai. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we're like deep into like the third one at this point. I think I have no. Is the third one the one with the, the girl where she's the new no. Karate Kid, basically? No, that's the like, the next Karate Kid. Oh, I think I, think I always assumed that was the third. I thought Maybe I always I'm, assumed that the next Karate Kid was the third Karate Kid. I know the second one. He goes to Japan with Mister Miyagi. Yeah. No, there's a three. 
and then the next Karate Kid. Okay, so I have zero idea of what three is. Then. Yeah, three is a see like the the character that is the villain in the latest uh, season is from three, and it's like Crease's war buddy slash Cobra Kai partner from back in the day. I don't know. Okay. Um, I I searched Karate K just to have it pop up all the movies so that I could make sure that there was three and then the next. And then I saw Karate Killer. And um, I think we should watch that one. Followed up by Chuck Norris in Karate Commandos. Commandos with a K. <laughs> I definitely have not watched hardly any of the Chuck Norris movies with the exception of Sidekicks. I remember liking that one mm, as a kid. Mm-hmm, I remember that one. That, wait, that was the one with... Um, uh, uh, is that the one with Jonathan Brandis? I, I, if you say so. Uh, sorry, there was Karate Killer in 1976 and Karate Kill in 2016. <laughs> Sidekicks. I might be thinking of something else. Sidekicks. Chuck Norris. Hmm. I can't uh I can't find that one. What's going on here? It's one word. Yeah. Sidekick. Chuck Norris, Jonathan Brandis. I was right. Wow, what a name what a name to pull out of my childhood and not have thought about in ages. <laughs> yeah, uh it's a name I didn't know. <laughs> oh my god, he died when he was twenty seven. What? In two thousand three. Alright, we gotta stop Googling things. This is just becoming very sad. It's true. What happened to him? I, I don't know. Jonathan Brandis. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're putting a lot on me right now. Um, oh, no. Uh, he killed himself. Uh, hanged in a hallway of his Los Angeles apartment. Uh, I didn't get those details. My goodness. I was, I was looking at the info in the mini bio and IMDb, and they, uh, they tend to be tasteful with those things. They don't typically give you gory details. Yeah. Yeah, Google uh, actually pulls out its own little card on the right side with all the details that you... That was... That's really, uh, that's sad. That's sad. Well, sorry about that. Uh, did not realize that that's where we're going to end up with that last one. $70 billion, you say? (laughs) (laughs) Segway. (laughs) It was a very smooth transition. Actually, that's what it should have been, is how much does a segway cost? $70 billion. (laughs) So this article is on Bloomberg... It's um, Microsoft buys scandal-tainted Activision in bet on Metaverse. Subheadings are Activision. I hate everything about that. <laughs> no, you know what? Actually, I appreciate this because so many of them, so many of these articles tend to like try to paint around the issue. Mm-hmm. Good for them that actually like telling the story like down the middle here. Like, nah, like Activision is embroiled in some shit because of their asshole CEO and all yeah. the people that he... <laughs> Microsoft was like... I'll buy you while you're at your cheapest. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, that's that's that killer mentality. You got to do it, right? Buy sure. a distressed asset. Um, so Activision CEO Bobby Kotick is expected to leave after close. See, Call of Duty publisher faces lawsuits over discrimination are some of the subheading. Uh, so Microsoft Corp, uh, this is from yesterday, was when this news broke. Um, and also, apparently, really unexpectedly, because I know um, the Forbes game reporter, Jason Schreier, like who I follow on Twitter, Mm-hmm. he's like i'm supposed to be on vacation but i have to come out of it for today because oh my god this is what's happening and i had zero idea and it sounds like no one knew so i don't know how they kept this deal under wraps like mm-hmm. this. this is actually pretty impressive um microsoft plans to buy activision blizzard inc for 68.7 billion dollars 
acquiring a legendary game publisher responsible for franchises like Call of Duty and World of Warcraft, but recently roiled by claims of sexual misconduct and discrimination. In its largest purchase, largest purchase ever, Microsoft will pay $95 a share in cash to add Activision's stable popular titles, helping the software giant expand its own offerings for the Xbox console and push it into the fast-growing markets for mobile gaming and the metaverse. The deal, which would make Microsoft the world's number three gaming company, also fits with Chief Executive Officer Satya Nadella's strategy of focusing on content, community, and cloud software. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, Activision CEO Bobby Kotick, 58, will continue to serve in that role only until the deal closes, a person said. Once the transaction is completed, Activision Blizzard will report to Phil Spencer, who at Part of this deal was promoted to CEO of Microsoft Gaming. Activision, which has a long history with Microsoft's Xbox, will also help the software giant better compete with rival Sony Corp's PlayStation. The publisher's largest franchise, Call of Duty, became successful largely due to Microsoft's online platform, Xbox Live, which allows gamers to connect for multiplayer matches. Most of Activision games are designed to run on Xbox consoles. Gaming has been key to Microsoft since our earliest days as a company, Nadella said in a note to employees. Today, it's the largest and fastest growing form of entertainment, and as the digital and physical worlds come together, it'll play a critical role in the development of metaverse platforms. So I'll take a breath there. Uh, your thoughts so far? Uh, it's interesting. Uh, taking on, I mean, they've been on this, uh, like, you know, the studio acquisition kick for a while now, and they've, they've picked up some pretty crazy ones over the well, past I know they bought years. Bethesda two years ago? For $7 billion. Yes. So, like, I- that's a much smaller company. So. Yeah, but like I don't know, just like the idea, right? Of like about sp- of spending all this money on these acquisitions. Um, I, it, I am curious. Like, like there's, I am like all there. So there was a statement like a while ago when they, when X, when Game Pass became a thing, that like all first party Microsoft games would go direct to Game Pass. Will be on yeah. Game Pass. So that that is everything that has been acquired mm-hmm. now. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like how, like the financials of this for them, right? Like how, like there, I guess there, I mean, there's going to be, if there's like a diehard Call of Duty fan, they will probably subscribe because it, I mean, it, it actually makes financial sense to do so. Yes. Um, that, that was my first thought as well before I read this story and I've read the whole thing before we we got to it on the thing, but I, I hadn't read it when I, earlier in the day yesterday when I first heard the news, my first thought immediately was this is purely got to be it a game pass play because everything that Xbox is that Microsoft has done for the last two years has been to push to strong arm everyone into getting game pass so they can build up that constant um, sub- subscription. So uh, revenue. here's my theory though. Like, okay, so we have that, we have that aspect of it. There's um, then there's like the other subscription bases that they're pulling in. Right. So now if you think about it, like world of Warcraft, however many subscribers that it currently has, if you're bringing them in, if you're bringing that platform in, and then that becomes part of your subscription costs for, say, Game Pass, you're you're almost eating your own like lunch a little bit with that one because like if it's just part of it now, you don't have to pay a separate subscription. I would imagine for that game, unless they unless they do something different or which kind of strays away from what the original statements for Game Pass were. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if a long-running MMO like that wouldn't still be kept separate. I would think all the console games could push to that, but that's kind of it's going to be its own thing. I don't that's know. trying to that's trying to make a bigger pie, right? You're trying to buy console gamers alongside of PC gamers when you talk about that. 
So I do. It does seem like it's like Microsoft is trying to own video games. Yeah. Um, and this still only moves them up into third. They're saying I know. By size and volume and user base, which is crazy. Uh, but at the same time, but like they're they you know they specifically mentioned like metaverse stuff, right? And it's like, is the intention to be like the place, the place to play socially when we're in our little VR world? Probably is my guess. Yeah, I really don't like that. There's this a really unfortunate space race to create Ready Player One. Yeah, um, and they are. I mean, that with the large names that they're pulling in, like it. Yeah, like it, it'll be that like in, unless like one of the other i mean i know that you, we say like third but like still like if you, like the big names that they have already like activision's a really big one like as garbage as the news around them is right now like there are people that there are people that play games and then there's like an entire other gigantic set of people that play call of duty yeah <laughs> you know well, and then like what, what, an entire other group of people that play world of warcraft and like yeah. there's while it's like a it's like a three piece Venn diagram, like there's like the ones that play all that. Well, stuff. you're 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 missing another. There's a, a fourth piece of that pie, and it's sports gaming. Um, For sure, which is Activision. Like Activision has a Activision has a, a piece of that, but EA drives most of that because sure. FIFA and Madden are both EA properties, and those are by far the two biggest sports. Gaming right, ones. but EA Play is part of it too. Yeah. Sure, I'm just w- make that distinction of we're yeah. About, like, so like the they're like you know, they're just even closer to it. I don't know. It's kind of crazy to think about like how much like it's just like we'll we'll take we'll take a little piece. Like well, I am curious to sections. see, and we'll I'll continue reading some of this. Um, but I'm curious to see um what this looks like from antitrust situation. Yeah, that's that that is interesting, right? Because like, but like you said, like it, I feel like one like their argument will somehow be along the lines of like still third. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, because well, but the problem is it's third in the world, but this pushes them probably pretty clearly and definitively to number one in the U.S. I would think so. Right, because when you talk about the world, Sony has a much bigger slice of that mm-hmm. market because Japan they got to thrash Xbox sales, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as well as probably China and Korea and other places as well. Maybe not as much as in Japan, but Japanese company, Japanese system, like you're you're going to be kicking Microsoft's ass in a lot of Asia. And that is when you talk about the, the world slice of video gaming blows the U S out of the water. Mm-hmm. When you, when you take those countries into account, which is why it's still considered a third. And actually, I think actually one of the, the other top three companies that's ahead of Microsoft is Tencent, which is a Chinese company. So mm-hmm. um, I guess I'll keep going here. Yeah. Uh, taking on Activision also introduced a whole host of legal and potential regulatory problems to Microsoft. Activision has been shrouded in controversy since last July after California state agency filed a sexual bias lawsuit against the Santa Monica, California based company, describing in lurid detail its quote frat boy culture unquote and accusing leadership of failing to take action to stop it. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission later launched its own investigation into how the company handled the reports of misconduct. The deal will also likely face tough regulatory scrutiny in the U.S. Big technology companies are being probed by regulators for their reach and influence. China, which has also been sparring with the U.S. already over technology issues, will also likely review the merger. Kotick, who has led Activision for three decades, came under pressure to resign after an explosive report in the Wall Street Journal last fall that tied him personally to reports of mistreatment of women and suggested that he was aware of years of sexual misconduct, including rape at the company, but didn't report it to the board. Kotick has apologized and pledged to make changes. In an interview, 
He said the deal has nothing to do with the controversy surrounding Activision or calls for him to step down and that Spencer reached out to him last year. A person familiar with the discussions who's not been authorized to speak publicly said Microsoft looked at Activision's situation given all the negative attention and pressure on Kotick and, and wondered if the beleaguered CEO would be willing to do a deal. Initially, he didn't want to sell, according to another person familiar with the talks, and also put the word out to see if any other company could outbid Microsoft. But at that point, he had little leverage with his board amid the ongoing public scrutiny at his company. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, that poses a curious question of like, okay, so the conversation started a year ago, and then like... Within the past year. Right, sure. Okay, within the past year, like, and then the story is coming out. Like, yeah. does the whistleblowing Well, that's why with... I, had, I had trouble not chuckling while I was reading that, because that's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, we want to buy your company. I'm not willing to sell. Whoopsies. <laughs> like, this came out. <laughs> Isn't this the plot of The Gentleman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, also, with a story like that, the amount of reporting... And the level of legal, like, jumping through hoops that you have to do to publish a story like that, when you, with those sorts of allegations which implicate criminality, mm-hmm. it could take years to have that story come out. So mm-hmm. it's possible that, that the Wall Street Journal started investigating that two or three years ago. Sure. And that inside of those circles it was known even though it wasn't publicly known Mm -hmm. and that microsoft caught wind of this coming and they decided to try and get in ahead of the competition yeah i feel like that's probably the case i mean they're ruthless but very savvy yeah yeah. business right you know strong move yeah and and you know i guess kudos to microsoft you just (laughs) you're gonna get the fuck out of here you're just gonna get the fuck out of here when we buy your company yeah because this is your fault it ain't us. Mm-hmm. We're gonna come in and make it better. Not that I'm not that I'm alleging they're doing this for altruistic purposes. Let us take this off your hands. Yeah. Well, that's their conversation <laughs> to him, right? It's, he has a lot of money. Go the fuck away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next bit of this story had to do with some stock price stuff, which isn't super interesting. Um, uh, this part, though, I guess kind of comes back to what we were just discussing a second ago. The scandal has taken a, a toll on the company already struggling to adapt to the end of a pandemic-fueled video game boom. In November, Activision delayed two of its most anticipated games and gave a sales forecast for the fourth quarter that fell short of Wall Street's expectations. Um, Spencer said last November that Microsoft was reevaluating its relationship with Activision and making proactive adjustments in the wake of the Wall Street Journal report. Mm-hmm. Um, founded in 1979... Activision is home to some of the most popular game franchises in the world, including Candy Crush, Guitar Hero, Skylanders, Destiny, Crash Bandicoot, and the Tony Hawk skateboarding titles. Its Call of Duty franchise is particularly notable for its lasting appeal, opening week sales, and increasingly its reach in Asia. The mobile edition of the game launched in China in December of 2020, quickly hitting the top of the download charts, running tens of millions of new fans, quote, with player investment in the first quarter on par with the rest of the world combined, unquote. So there's like, there's the whole, oh, we'll buy you. And then there's like, oh, this, we're going to make this even better. We'll buy you for this amount. Or Activision games won't be on our platform anymore <laughs> because of you. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's entirely possible. I mean, that that is quite a cudgel to be wielding against them, especially when they're at their lowest point. Yeah. In 2020, the company's Activision segment, nearly all of which is Call of Duty, accounted for 55% of the company's operating profit. Hmm. 
Damn. This is crazy. I mean, we're talking, I think if I, it's like 2023, right? Like June is like the kind of like the estimated. I'm not sure. I, these things tend to take a couple of years. I, when I was talking about this with some people yesterday, I was, I brought up the Disney acquisition of Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as how they avoided the antitrust stuff, they, they basically spun off all the regional sports networks because they already own ESPN. And so if they had bought all of the Fox sports stuff, which like a lot of regional sports networks for like baseball and hockey and soccer and basketball, those tend to have been, they were started in conjunction with like Fox. So like, it'd be like, Oh, we have Fox sports, like Fox sports, like Southwest. And they would have like the Phoenix suns games and like the Arizona coyotes Mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever other teams like that. And it would be all of the, 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 the regional sports in those areas had contracts to create a network with Fox. So Disney, in order to acquire all the other stuff, they would have had such a monopoly of the sports thing. They had to spin that off to Bally's, all of those regional sports networks of Bally's sports. Hmm. So in a similar vein, like they, Microsoft may have to find itself spinning off some of these things like who knows maybe the antitrust makes them spin off the the world of warcraft stuff i don't know sure interesting i guess we'll see how it plays out it's it'll be fun to watch i think and like see how it all plays out but yeah i mean it goes on to say a little bit more about how they've basically made a commitment to there's going to be a good portion of these games that they still make available to sony but they're definitely going to pull some of them back behind the curtain as yeah, well of course which makes sense um even if it, I don't know, even if you're like on Game Pass, or you could spend, or you could buy it for seventy bucks on another platform, that's like having your cake and eating it too. No, like that's <laughs> yeah, no, you're uh, you're wetting your beak either way. I, I listen to all these like game podcasts, and they're it's like you don't buy, you don't spend this much money to share it with the other platforms. I'm like, I feel like that's a short sighted view of how you make money. <laughs> yeah. Well, they said here, you know, um, this is a Spencer quote. I'll just say to players out there who are playing Activision Blizzard games on Sony's platform, it's not our intent to pull communities away from that platform, and we remain committed to that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it says they agreed to acquire Zenimax Media, home to Elder Scrolls and Doom publisher Bethesda Softworks, for $7.5 billion. At the time, that was their biggest video game purchase ever. They also spent $2.5 billion on Mojang back in 2014, mm-hmm. who is the one who made Minecraft. Yeah, um, I mean, ultimately... I feel like I mean their end game is probably to just be a cloud-based gaming service, right? And yep. just to be an app wherever. Um, specifically, I mean, definitely targeted on whatever this you know, whatever your VR universe is, because it'll fit nicely in there. Um, but whether that's you know all of your smart TVs or just in a browser or on a PlayStation, <laughs> like just the Xbox app. You know, like there's like they can make it work anywhere. Uh, so that'll be really interesting. Uh, and also, I'm all f- I feel like that'll be really cool. I uh, know that Brian uses Stadia a lot and he loves it and it works for yeah. him really well. Um, the cloud stuff that I have toyed with aside from Stadia hasn't been hasn't been good enough for me to use as like my main thing. Although I did play a couple of his Stadia games, and I was blown away by how like how responsive it all was. I was like, this is bonkers. So well, the text I think there. From what I've heard, and obviously you and even more so Brian can speak to this stuff, but 
for games that you're playing locally, I'm sure the cloud service works great. But for like, I don't think it would work very well for like Call of Duty. I just don't know how it. The cloud stuff doesn't work super great locally for me, and I think that has to do with um, certain rooms in my house and trying to play it in like dead spots mm. for my Wi-Fi. But if you were hardwired, like I feel like I could see more of a situation where like all of your TVs in your different rooms are hardwired for Ethernet. Right. And your systems on the land. Like, I feel like that would be fairly seamless. Sure. That would be the dream, though, in general for mm-hmm. like your setup. And unfortunately, sure. not, not super realistic. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we're going to probably have a breakthrough in a couple of years on that tech. The Wi-Fi, well, first, like on first, like the next all, edge of Wi-Fi, that'll be like far better than the garbage that we're using right now. Sure. But also like, come on, building developers like. If I buy a new house, why are all of like my main rooms not wired for you? That's true. You, I mean, because it should all be like because they used to like they the used latest to put cat up- cable and no and no. I mean, there shouldn't be a phone line. It should be a cat cable. That's what I'm saying. They used that. to put a fucking phone line in every room. Maybe they still do on a new house, but like like my house, my 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 parents' house was built 21 years ago, mm-hmm. and it's got like a phone jack in like half the rooms. Yeah, I understand they weren't gonna have an Ethernet cable back then, but I'm saying is if I bought that same house today being built brand new that should have in probably the master bedroom whatever room like would be the quote-unquote office by like the builders like design and the like family room living room whatever like those three rooms at minimum should have and probably one in the basement as well like should have no you should have it everywhere a hard line uh, today it should be in every room Um, we can understand if it's not every single room but most of them my point is like you're already wiring up electricity to those rooms throw the cable in there <laughs> Sure, and that's, kind of, that's the point i'm making is like if you do it in the planning right it's the reason like you wouldn't do it now like you you're gonna go into the fucking drywall and like route it throughout your whole house no but when you're building it it's not it's like the most trivial of things to attach that along with the fucking cluster of wires that you have for electricity and yeah. phone and all that shit yeah for um Especially since you already have, you also already have the phone line, like where you would put those. Like I don't know, it's. Um, I know some places are like that, and it's great. Uh, the next place that we move, I'm sure, won't have it, and I will actually probably make the investment of of making it happen um, because we'll be there for a really long time, and every room should have it. <laughs> yeah, as far as I'm concerned. So that could be that'll be interesting. This will be, like I said, it'll be interesting to watch, see where it goes. Yeah, and the last kind of little bit of just a, I'm sure this wasn't included just for um, accuracy's sake. I'm uh, I'm sure that this is kind of a hint at where things may be going, and I'd already heard some rumbles about this stuff. Or at least I'll tell you the 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 dots I'm connecting. Microsoft's also banking on the rise in mobile gaming, the fastest growing part of the industry. One of the software giants' weak spots earlier this month, Take Two Interactive Software agreed to buy mobile game maker Zynga in a deal valued at $11 billion to keep the publisher of Grand Theft Auto break into the market for smart... Sorry, to help the publisher of Grand Theft Auto break into the market for smartphone games. There is a tight connection between Take-Two and Sony, and so mm-hmm. don't be surprised if that same move happens between Sony and Take-Two as sure. it did with Microsoft and Activision. It seems like a natural fit. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Cool, man. Good one. I think it's time for what we're consuming. Sure. What are you consuming? Um, 
actually not a ton this past week, um, at least of the optical and audiological versions. I ate plenty of food this week, but um, (laughs) I watched The Eternals, or at least most of it. I'm going to have to revisit that before we do it for next week's show, because I may have dozed off for a little bit, and I'm not entirely sure how they they acquired Command on Johnny for their team. Uh, (laughs) I... One of my, so I also watched it this past week, and Kim started watching it. She fell asleep, but she was like, "We're like, I don't know, however many minutes in," and she goes, "Wait a minute, Jon Snow, Rob Stark, and a character named Cersei." Yep, yes, my mom had the same. Uh, I was watching it with my parents. My mom had the same. Uh, that was great <laughs> revelation. It's great. Um. So yeah, we will probably be doing that next week. So we'll delve into that much more deeply then. You definitely do need to rewatch because uh Kamal Nanjiani becoming being brought back into the fold is pretty cool. Yeah. Um I I remember little snippets of it, but like I just don't remember how it all went down. Mm-hmm. It's like I can kind of the images are in my brain, but there's no context for them. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I was kind of dozing through it. Uh, the only thing I actively remember was that he was pretending to be multiple generations of actor. Yeah. <laughs> going under <laughs> the same name <laughs> to explain why he didn't age. That's the like literally only bit of that that I remember. Yep. Um, what about you? I well, I've watched that. I also I'm try- we've been ta- we were tying up loose ends last week of like shows that were like at the end of and we did a bunch of that and we still have a yeah, few you- more. So you mentioned finishing Dexter New Blood and Homeland. Yep. So I'm assuming you were doing and Grace like and that. Frankie and Grace and Frankie. Okay. Uh, so we were like, okay, we have like this lingering final season of Lucifer to watch. Oh, I thought you watched that. We're putting it on. It's just like we had like the last three episodes of the prior season and then the the final season, and we're just like, I think it was like maybe halfway through the second episode of the night, and I was just like. I'm bored. Like I don't. I just don't care. I think I like. I just don't care anymore. I and I'm. It's. I'm fighting the urge to just skip to the last episode and see what happens. Mm. Um. Because I don't have that many left. But I'm just like not really enjoying it anymore. I think it's that's a shame. It's kind of like it was fun, but like the main fun part of the show was Lucifer and the detective solving crimes together. It's just a really silly gimmick. Because he can ask somebody what their deepest desire is, and they have to tell him. <laughs> and the interrogation. We also, like, uh, I think it was, like, somewhere around the second or third season, we're like, the person who did it is always the first person they talk to. And then they come back to them at the end. That's, unfortunately, a hallmark of a lot of procedurals. I wish they could mix it up a little bit more, where sometimes it's the second person <laughs> they talk to. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we're, we're, I think we're like on like the, the fourth episode of the final season there. Okay. Um, I mean, you're that close at this point. You probably do got to finish it. Right? Oh, we, yeah, we, we will. But we, it's a shame when it starts to no longer be fun and feel like a chore, but at least like you're close enough. Cause like when you get like something like the walking dead, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, there's like three, there's going to be three more seasons of the show. Like I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's probably a good time to cut it off. But sure. when you get into that final season the sunk cost fallacy tends to go out the window right? uh, yeah, yeah it's it's yeah so we'll we'll eventually we'll see how it plays out uh, it's gonna be a little bit slower going we'll probably watch like one episode here and there throughout the week mm. versus like sitting down like for a night and watching that show well if you're having trouble getting through it trying to brute force your way is probably not the best yeah yeah uh but that being said we we supplemented with working moms which the name sounds familiar but i can't even place the show so 
damn funny. And so many great jokes for this very specific time in our lives. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's been, it's been, it's been awesome. Like this is, it's just really, there's, it's really silly. It's like super, some of the jokes are like super dark, but overall it's a well-written comedy. Um, and I'm like that now, like that show on the other hand, I'm like, okay, I can't, I, I think we, we have some time tonight. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to like sitting down and watching a few episodes. They're short. You can knocked out two or three, like without blinking an eye. It's, mm. And it's really entertaining. So. What else are you watching? Um, I'm still powering through. I wish I'd gotten to an episode tonight, and I just ran out of time before we got started because I was trying to really like solidify my notes and everything. But I've been watching The Witcher still. Okay. Uh, the other day, I watched the fourth episode of the season, which was really good. I really liked that one. It was um, the one where Triss shows up at Kaer Morin and. Um, that storyline finally starts to accelerate from like a narrative perspective. Mm-hmm. And um, the Yennefer and I don't know what that guy's name is storyline was pretty good as well. So I was having this conversation with someone yesterday. I was like, I don't know his name, which I feel like I should because he was the main villain in the first season. Spoiler alert. And I just know him as that Nilf- Nilfgaardian general. And when you yeah. think of a villain, I should know your name. And I don't think you've ever given it to us. Hell is his name. Right? It doesn't feel like it doesn't even feel like a oh I it's on the tip of my tongue. I don't think he's ever said his name. You know what's funny? I think that they say it somewhere towards the end of the season. I was like, that's what his name is. Like, <laughs> okay, so then maybe they just haven't revealed it yet. Because I know that for a little bit during the first season, I thought he was Amir, and then eventually it became clear that he served Amir, and I was like, oh right. yeah. So what's your name then? Nilfgaardian dude. But like. He's not some random, like, private in the no. Nilfgaardian army. He's the fucking commanding general of the army. Like, we should know his name. It should, shouldn't just be general guy. He's got that uh, feather feather ponytail thing. You know, he's a slightly odd-looking guy, and him looking like a homeless vagrant now is not improving his look. Sure. Uh, but I'm, glad you're, you're, I'm glad you're getting further along on that. I, I enjoyed the second season. Yeah, I've been enjoying it so far, but I really feel like this episode kind of... Start really to got- wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, where it's like, okay, now we're getting, we've gotten past the establishing and foundational and resetting the chessboard, and we're getting into the, here we go. You should mode. feel that way for the rest of it, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. It does It does feel like it's taken off. Not to say that you can't have some quiet moments and all, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like it's going now. Yeah. What was it? Was it the first episode with Beast from, <laughs> from Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> played played by Tormund Giantsbane. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a pretty cool one-off. Yeah. That's very reminiscent of the book that I was reading, where it's like each chapter was just like a hunt of some kind that he did. Mm. Um, well, I mean, that's what a lot of the first season was, too, right? Yeah. So. But the way it was pieced together was so, oh my God, so good. Just. Mm. <laughs> but that's cool. Uh, I have con- I am continuing on with Batman the Animated Series. Me and Elliot are mm. watching it. Um, my son may be a psychopath. Oh, I'm not sure. So we were watching the first episode of the two-parter where Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face. That sounds very and familiar. he's eaten, you know, show's on. This is a, I, One or two times a day when I'm able to feed him, I'll put that on. And he likes to play with his bottle. He'll look at the TV every once in a while. He'll look at me and make noises. He plays with his little lion. Uh, it came down to the part where... He he like looked up at the TV and he was like kind of kind of getting he was like in like sleepy mode, and um, 
Harvey is becoming Two-Face at this point. He's in the hospital. He's uh, The explosion has already happened. He's all wrapped up. He They're undoing his bandages. And like everybody's like, oh my god. <laughs> and then he like runs out of the room. And he goes, he's like screaming and he's holding his face. And his fiance is walking down the hallway. And she goes, Harvey, what's wrong? And he like picks his head up and it's 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 Harvey face. So it's not scary yet. And then he turns and she shrieks and it's, you know, half the blue face with the white hair. Half, yeah. And he just goes, <laughs> he goes, ha <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Little creep. <laughs> Harvey face. Harvey face. Harvey face. Scary face. <laughs> Two face. What have you done with Harvey face and scary face? <laughs> is this... Is this because you could only see one side of my face at a time? <laughs> heads, you live. Tails, you die. He flips the coin. Heads. Anybody mind if I reflip? <laughs> but uh, that's been really... I, man, that in the animated series is no joke. Yeah. It's so good. And uh, I'm, I'm like, you know, I barely scratched the surface of the first season. The first 63 episodes. <laughs> 63 episode seasons. Incredible. It's still amazing to me how they make the show. What do you mean? Like just the process of animating a show like this. I really need to watch something on it. Oh, yeah. Come on. What else are you watching or consume? Um, that's it for watching. I had a couple of podcasts I listened to in the last few days. So one of them is one that I've been recurring listening to for the last few weeks. And that's... um. Amin Hassan has revived Darth Amin's Rule of Two. It's his Star Wars-themed podcast. It's him and Anthony Mays from uh, Cinephobe. And they have basically hijacked Mystery Crate, which is a podcast on the Metal Arc Media slew of podcasts, the Levantard and Friends Network. Um, it's typically the producers of the show do their own podcast week to week, but I guess they're kind of giving that over and, and uh, seeding the responsibility for doing podcasting. And Amin is, and Maze are doing a weekly recap of the book of Boba Fett episodes cool. for the last few weeks. So that's cool. If you want a deeper dive than what we do, because they, after watching the episode, because the episodes come out on Wednesday, mystery crate comes out on Fridays. Um, they spend those couple of days researching like some of the lore that gets activated in each episode talk about some of the relationships where it fits in with some of the other stuff, do a little bit of, you know, riffing on just star Wars stuff in general. Nice. Uh, the two of them have a great rapport, obviously having done a hundred and however many years of uh, cinephobe now, because for some reason in the canon of that show, each episode is a year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, no, it's just cool. If you want more info and more like light fun involving book of Boba Fett, I would, recommend anyone who, who wants a little more content on that to to check out mystery crate on fridays for a little book of both action on darth nice. rule of two the other one i was mentioning in, in the podcast realm is yesterday i listened to the newest episode i think it was of armchair expert it was with max i yeah Greenfield. i'm looking forward to listening to that one i didn't get it get to it yet. really really good i didn't realize the two of them were were really good friends i, um, I didn't know that either so uh, that was cool, and um, there was a story that they got a little bit of closure on at the end of the episode, where Max was recounting how he got sober, and it involved Kristen. I think this was before Kristen and Dax got married, 
or were like even maybe together at that point. It was before him and Dax had a relationship. Okay. But I guess Max knew her already. I, mean, I I forget if they explained how or why the two of them already had a relationship. And um, it concerned Kristen rescuing a dog that was astray. And Max, at the time, he was deciding that he maybe needed to get sober, like trying to commit to adopting the dog. And I don't want to say any more for a multitude of reasons about it, but let's just say the dog had a particular medical condition and um, that made for interesting storytelling along with the deeply vulnerable bit of Max talking about going to rehab. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm looking forward to um, listening to that one. It was, uh, it was an experience. It was, uh, it was an episode. All right. (laughs) Nice. Nice. It was something of an episode. itself. (laughs) I, um, I listen to a number of podcasts like every week, so I don't even recap those here, but I'm always listening yeah. to a handful of gaming ones. Well, I don't listen to ones. all of the, the Dax ones, yeah, but like when yeah. I see a good guest is what I Exactly. I, I used to listen to it a lot, and now it's more so like, oh, I would like to hear that person. Yeah, so I check like once a month and say, oh, they had two good guests this month, Excellent. like let me listen to yeah, it yeah. or whatever, like... Um, and like I said, rule of two has been back for a couple of weeks and I hadn't mentioned it on the show yet. So I figured I'd, I'd bring that one up. I will, I guess at this point go with the weekly shutdown full cast, sure. um, check in. So last week, if you recall, I had the story about the national championship game, but they recorded late on Wednesday and I didn't get to listen to it until the next day. So a little bit from last week's episode, they opened it with like almost 20 minutes talking about Yellowstone. Mm, I, so many people in my life are talking about Yellowstone. It's like, I know my parents watch it. It's just not for me. I, have you tried watching it? I've caught substantial amounts of it while yeah. they're watching it. I just don't know if I can do him. He puts me to sleep. Phrasing. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All of that phrasing. Yes. <laughs> it was just, it was too much for me to uh, let, it, let it pass. Um, so I couldn't remember if you said you watched the show or no. not. I don't. The reason I bring up the Yellowstone thing was because they proposed a new name for the show and it's Unplanned Ranch Murder. <laughs> like, like there's more unplanned ranch murder in the first season than there are crimes investigated by the Naval Crime Investigation, whatever like NCI. I don't even I don't even know I don't even know what that show is about. So that 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 is more intriguing to me than the name Yellowstone. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's about this huge ranch, like the Yellowstone in Montana or Wyoming or whichever state, I don't know. Um, And it's basically a criminal empire, kind of, I guess. Mm. And there's always some other borderline criminal empire that's trying to come in on their turf or the Native American tribes for that area trying to come in on this turf and all that stuff. There's like one of his like top lieutenants who just does all sorts of unplanned ranch murder um and uh, along with other people too but it's perpetuated predominantly by cole hauser's character i guess Mm. and uh so they were just riffing on that for a lot of like the first like 20 minutes of the episode last week and it was it was just it was it was a funny conversation because they were like there's even one scene where like two of the characters are like hey we should have sex like okay, where do you want to do it? And it's like, okay, we'll do it in the middle of like this stable. And it's like, where is everyone? Rolling and like, in the hay. <laughs> yeah, and one of them's like, where is everyone? And the other one's like, I don't know. And then like, you know, whoever was talking about it like on the show was like, I'll tell you where they all were. The whole group of the entire ranch was off going to do a murder, <laughs> unexpectedly. <laughs> oh, man. So that was last week's. Uh, this week, we have 
two other things worth mentioning. One, this with the college football season basically in its like quietest time of year right now, post-college football national championship, they were talking about some NFL stuff concerning the NFL playoffs started this past weekend, and they were talking about the Bills-Patriots game, and that one is noteworthy to bring up because there has been, for quite some years now, this recurring story of specifically when the Patriots play the Bills in Buffalo, it started with one and has become a multitude now of dildos getting thrown on the field. Okay. <laughs> By Bills fans at Patriots players, Patriot fans, Patriot coaches, cool. etc. There's so many videos of like one of them bouncing right near a player or a referee seeing something on the field, going to pick it up and throw it off the field and realizing it's a dildo and not wanting to touch it naturally. Isn't there some sort of hockey phenomenon too, like where something gets thrown onto the ice? Yeah, sometimes like an octopus or a catfish. That's right. Um, well, hats typically for a hat trick, but sometimes one of those other things. Right. Uh, specifically during the Stanley Cup a few years ago when Nashville played Pittsburgh, I believe it was. Um, in Nashville, when they scored a goal, someone was throwing catfish on the ice. And one of the guys who had been doing that freeze-dried and smuggled a catfish to Pittsburgh when the series went back to Amazing. the Pittsburgh arena. Somehow managed to like tape it up on himself, smuggle it in, go to the bathroom, extract said catfish. First Nashville goal. The catfish is on the ice, of course. It was incredible commitment to the bit um and is such with the bills fans throwing dildos under the field as well as as anyone who even has a tangential knowledge of football uh might be aware of the phenomenon of the bills mafia which is what the fandom calls themselves mm. um for several years now have been lighting tables on fire and then jumping through them oh dear like folding tables mostly but sometimes it's not a folding table and the table doesn't break i yeah, uh, and you know, there's like it was like five degrees at the game the other night, and there's people shirtless and stuff. Like sure. they're a crazy bunch. It's it's impressive. I tip my cap to them. It's I'm a huge, huge, huge football fan. And I just wouldn't, and I like the cold too. Just wouldn't. Yeah, couldn't probably. Um, but that seemed like a good time, and I it is honestly at this point a like a wish of mine. I just want one of the dildos to stick to someone's helmet or visor. Sure, on the fly. Yeah. I think that would be incredible. So that scene, in, did you watch How I Met Your Mother? No. There was a, there's a scene where they were throwing pencils into the ceiling at the bar. Yeah, everyone remembers that phenomenon from school, yes. Uh, and then in one of the, in one, at one time, one of the pencils falls out, the racer hits the table, it bounces, and the pencil goes up Barney's nose, and he Ooh. goes, am I dead? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the exact same thing if the I just want to see about. someone slow down the replay of dildo flopping end over end. Yeah. Sticking to And then like some someone like with a press laser mic cutting the sound in of like the of it. <laughs> yes. And just watching it in slow motion adhere and then flop as it tries to reach its equal. Or, or more specifically, uh, attaching to a player running for a touchdown, right? So that... Oh, yeah, because it... the camera can't cut away. <laughs> <laughs> this dildo unicorn scoring much higher, a touchdown. Much higher degree of difficulty to hit the moving target and get it to stick. Um, go big or go home. The other topic they were discussing... Um, so you remember a couple of weeks ago when we learned together about the Pittsburgh potty? Yes. Are you familiar with... Oh, God. <laughs> Are you familiar with Dingus Day? No. 
What is Dingus Day? It's another Buffalo phenomenon. This one I'm not going to tell you too much about. I want anyone who's listening to this who wants to know about Dingus Day to look it up or listen to this week's Shutdown Fullcast. Uh, the only things I will I will mention in this is that it features... Um, well, it seems to be some sort of like Polish St. Patrick's Day type of situation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to say a word here. Pussy Willow. Okay. Features heavily in Dingus Day. Interesting. What is it? Oh, I, Roman yeah, Catholic I celebration held on Easter Monday across Central Europe and in small parts of Eastern and Southern Europe. Mm-hmm. The tradition is widely associated with Poland and is observed by Polish diaspora communities. Diaspora, yeah. Diaspora communities, particularly. It's basically like people who are from Poland who spread out to the rest of the world and created their own enclaves. Particularly among Polish Americans who call it Dingus Day. Yep. Food. Dingus Day is an occasion to eat traditional Polish foods, including pierogies, kielbasa, stuffed cabbage, ham, eggs, breads, and lamb-shaped butter. (laughs) (laughs) As one does, I I suppose. When I started reading that sentence, didn't know where it was ending. <laughs> yeah, you experienced that sentence the same way I did, where it was grove is from an old English word that means grove. <laughs> I just, I could not have been prepared for the way that sentence began to end in the same way. It was like a fucked up palindrome. Huh. The word dingus loosely translates to worthy. That can't be real. Like most other holidays, food plays a role <laughs> on dingus day as well. Yeah, I can confirm that food tends to have a lot to do with holidays. Cool. Lamb-shaped... Butter, yes. Butter. I used to have lamb-shaped marzipan on Easter. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like it's in the same vein, right? Yeah. Except, well, I don't know. Well, I assume that lamb-shaped butter is served with the breads, right? Probably. And the ham and eggs. Marzipan, from a certain point of view, is basically just almond butter, right? True. That's fair. I could still taste it. Man. <laughs> I used to love so I've had, lamb. I've had things featuring almond paste, but I've never actually had marzipan, I don't mm. think. Uh, I bought some real fresh stuff from a bakery in Florence when we were in Italy. And my goodness, it was so good. It was so, I mean, it is like you, you, like you immediately have diabetes, but it's so <laughs> good. Speaking of diabetes bread, um, my mom made a couple of breads in the past week. Mm. Both really good. One of them was basically like an Italian bread. It was good. We sure. had it with some some pasta and meat sauce. Um, and the other bread was like a breakfast treat. And it was like cinnamon raisin bread. It was kind of like a cinnamon roll, but a loaf of bread and like more bread and less. This is clearly dessert. It's okay. Going to give me diabetes. Cool. So it was Did good. Did you make we, French toast out of it? You, you very well could have, but no, we took the fresh loaf, sliced it. Toasted it and buttered it, and it was delightful. Is it safe to say that there was bread in the oven? It was not served as or prepared as bread in the <laughs> oven, though that bread did go into the oven, yes. It's a bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I t- one day I'm just going to come over, I'm going to make it, and you're going to have like a Vietnam flashback. To no, I'm going to have bread in the oven for the first time in my life. This is what's going to happen. Challenge. Right. Challenge that notion. Anything else you're consuming? No, I think it's time for fun and games unless you've got anything else. I I played another chapter of No Remorse and I was able to get pretty much right back into it. So for a second there I'm like, wait, the played a chapter of them? Uh yeah, audiobook. I don't I feel so guilty saying I'm reading it. 
So there's a there was a conversation about that on the Levitard show a few months ago where someone was saying, I'm reading this book. Uh, it's an audio book and everyone else was ragging on them. And someone wrote into them who was like a doctor or whatever and said, it stimulates the same part of your brain that actually reading does. So it can be called. I I played a chapter of it. <laughs> when you said I played a chapter, I'm picturing a video game. Sure. You know? No, that's fair. I think if you just said I listened to a chapter, I would have been on the same page. I will say that it's that was on that was on that was on plan. Yeah, I said on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, it's good. It's real good. I uh, yeah, what's really his face? The, the 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 copper just made the connection that the guy that their the, their mystery man that's been killing the criminals. He's like, oh my god. It's that guy that was here, John it's Kelly. One, it's, it's that John it's that Kelly fellow. It's that one guy. And uh, oh yeah, the the cop Emmett Ryan. And he's uh, was it him though that made the, that made the connection? I just know he's like the like the sergeant or I, I was I, he is. I was getting confused. You know what really kills me with this book? Something that really bothers me. Um, there's a handful of characters, specifically the the Eddies and the and the so and so whoever they are that they call them by their first name. And then their last name within the same chapter. Oh, they're like, John said this. And then like a sentence later said, Smith said that. Yeah. It was John Smith who was one person saying it. And for the longest time, I was like, my goodness, it's really hard to keep track of these 20 characters on this boat. Also, how big is this boat? (laughs) (laughs) You're picturing an aircraft carrier and it's like a patrol boat. Well, that's that's the thing. They pretty much described it as like a small fishing boat. How many people are on this goddamn boat? This is the 400th name. There's only four people on the boat. They killed the one guy, and then it's like, and then, you know, two paragraphs later, they're dropping somebody else into the ocean. I was like, wait, they killed two guys? (laughs) (laughs) Quite the body count they're racking up here. Um, Just don't do that. I don't recall that phenomenon. It's been probably 15 years since I've read the book, Mm -hmm. but um that's funny uh maybe you can clarify something for me okay the mission that he's on that john kelly is on to extract the uh pow's Mm -hmm. uh boxwood green foxwood green something green i don't recall that the guy says it so many times but it's so jumbled when he says it that i and i can't look at the page i could have googled it i didn't um I'm going to guess it's boxwood green because I typed foxwood green into the search bar and everything underneath that says boxwood green, et cetera, et cetera, up so many other things. So, okay. I, I don't remember what the context was. Was it was just the name of the mission? Yeah, it's the name or? of the mission. And they make a point of it's like they choose arbitrary names for the mission. Yeah, okay. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, so, a boxwood green is a full body. Yeah, boxwood. it is boxwood green. Well suited for dense low hedges, so this is be the type of thing that would not be allowed in a grove, right? Or sorry, would be allowed. Yes, because it's underbrush. Exactly. Underbrush. Anyway, I'm listening to that again. Good. I'm glad you're continuing your journey. That was my. uh... I haven't really talked to Brian much in the last few months, and I have to ask him: Did he finish the series yet? Because he was really gung ho for it after reading. Oh yeah, I don't know. He he's probably listened to like 400 books since then. That's what I'm saying. Like he's probably finished the entire series. Yeah. He's probably read some of the books even I haven't gotten to, yeah. like that were written after Tom Clancy died. Al, I'm gonna leave it up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at an hour and fifty one minutes. <laughs> do you want to do fun and games, or do you want to go directly into the flick? Um, I'm fine either way. Uh, I feel like I feel like the flick's not necessarily going to be a super long one. I don't know. Okay, it may be. You yeah, know let's, what? Let's, let's screw have some it. fun and games. Let's have some fun and games. It's time. Let the questioning begin. 
showering my inner Damon Hatfield. He does that for the Game Scoop 20 questions. Hmm. And I'm also um, realizing that there was something from our game last week. There was a question you asked. And I don't remember if it was a unique question that you asked or if it triggered in my mind. I was like, ooh, this would be a good question to start adding into my rotation. Hmm. And now I don't remember what that question was because I oh, didn't man. listen to last week's episode. Um, that being said, did this movie come out in the year 2000 or later? Hold on, IMDb's being a dick. Sorry, what was your question? Did the movie did the movie come out in the year two thousand or later? Yes. Okay. Um, did it come out in the aughts? No, <laughs> I hate IMDb right now. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with the app. I'm gonna uninstall it. Oh, okay. I t- I tend to well when we're doing these, I tend to use the browser version of it, which yeah. seems to right. be pretty solid. So. I also realized as I'm asking these questions, like, oh, fuck, we've gotten to the point now where, like, we have to consider that there's three years of a new decade's worth of movies. Yeah. It's going to get harder and harder to do that. That's true. Um, that's just kind of... Is a, this, like, it, like, in ten years, is this a pre-pandemic or post-pandemic movie? <laughs> yeah. Did this movie come out in, the, in or after the year 2000? Yes. Was it pre or post-pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> um... Is this movie based on established IP? Yes. Okay. As they often are in both pre and post pandemic, post 2000s. Um, hmm. Is this, is that IP comic book related? Yes. Okay. Is it Marvel? Wait, let, let me ask, let me ask a better question. Is it in the MCU? No. Okay. Cause that's, I don't know if, if, uh, well, I guess the proper MCU. That's what I'm saying. Like, no. is this movie part of what we would consider the established MCU canon? Well, that's the thing. Is it like is everything now? But no. At its time of release. No. Yeah. Okay. So it's not part of it. It's sorry. So you you said it was an aughts movie, right? No. Um, oh, sorry. That's right. Post aughts. Sorry. That's important detail. Post aughts Marvel, but not MCU movie. I'm going to give me another question because that was cheating. I kind of I took two questions for the choice of one, right? Because you basically told me it was a Marvel movie, but I asked you, was it MCU specifically, right? So. Sure. Yeah. Unintentionally. Oh, yeah, I you stole... did follow it up with is it. Yes. Yeah, okay. uh, unintentionally, I stole a okay, question. So just, cool. just, just. Wow, you sneaky bastard. Well, no, I mean, I, yeah. I cop to it. I, no, I I'm, it. I'm, I'm being honest there. Um, okay. So a Marvel non MCU movie from 2010 or later. Interesting. Um, was this movie part of a series? Like, was there like sequels? You know what I mean? The movie's part of a series. Okay. Well, because like, so to to go back to like, to go back to like pre aughts, right? To give a like, Daredevil wasn't part of a series, but like sure. Bleed was. Mm-hmm. Okay. <coughs> so it was it was part of a series. Okay. That narrows it down pretty pretty good for me. Then I guess. Because it's basically got to be either X-Men, Amazing Spider-Man, or, well, no, Fantastic Four was standalone, right? So it's basically got to be one of those two things, I think. I'm sure I could possibly be missing something, but it's basically got to be part of those two things. Um, was one of the characters from this movie in Spider-Man No Way Home? No. So not Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, sorry. It could be Deadpool as well. It could be X-Men or Deadpool. Was Ryan Reynolds in this movie? No. Hmm. Did James Mangold direct this movie? Yes. 
did we do this movie on the podcast? Yes. Is this movie Logan? Yes. 12 questions. You nailed it. I, uh, it popped into my head the other day and I was like, oh man, I want to rewatch that. And then I was like, I'll just do that for the show. And this, when we started doing the show this today, I was like, <laughs> this morning, when we started doing the show today, I was thinking like, oh, is there something else I can, I, I want to use? I don't know what was, he- why I was being hesitant about like using that movie. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered, I'm remembering in your, as soon as you started asking questions, oh, because he's going to ask something about superheroes. <laughs> and it's going to be like, <laughs> well, <laughs> sure, there's enough, there's enough to go through, but like, it's a pretty easy one to narrow down. But I think it was worth doing because I love it. Yeah. No, it was good. I mean, and, uh, and I couldn't remember if there was a wink and a nod to Ryan Reynolds at all in it. In no, like but in Deadpool 2, there was a wink and a nod to Logan. Which was amazing. <laughs> it was an amazing nod for sure. But uh, yeah, great, great, great movie. I really, really, really love Logan. Also, I um, I had gone through like our old episodes and I was curious, like, are we coming on the anniversary of an episode that we did mm. that I could pick a movie from? And then found out that like we only did we we've I don't think we've ever done January episodes like we hit like a weird dead spot each year around that time it seems like yeah there's always something weird that ends up happening right around the new year that prevents us from doing like we we clearly have to have done some episodes of January right? I'm sure we don't get like the regular weekly one yeah right yeah I think so at least but cool man with that is that the first is that the first time that's the first time one of us picked one that was on the show right I think so yeah. Um, well, no, wasn't your first one Cloud Atlas? Was it? Wasn't it? <laughs> Welcome to Cinephone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, let us get into our flick of the week. Don't Look Up, released in 2021, rated R, with a two-hour and 18-minute runtime. Your IMDb synopsis. Two low-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. It's great. It's great synopsis for what's going on. Not what the movie's about, but great synopsis for what's <laughs> happening in the movie. <laughs> uh, Al, why don't you kick us off with your hot take? Cutting satire that probably leans just a touch too heavily on snark and overt sarcasm at times. This message is fairly universal, even if delivered in a sublimely absurd way. <laughs> Unfortunately, it presents as a depressing thesis, more so than the rallying cry it so wants to be. Hmm. 6.5 comets streaking across the night sky out of 10. <laughs> so I realized we had gotten away from that convention that you wanted to do, and so I, I wanted to make sure <coughs> started to bring it back into the fold. Yeah, I uh, appreciate it. Uh, hilarious. Totally just a joke. Nothing serious. I'm not crying, you're crying. Seven out of ten fingerling potatoes. <laughs> I love this man's movies. I think he does a great job. Um, Adam McKay, who we're referring to here. Uh, just the uh, we've talked about him before, but like just the the different topics that he can tackle and the different ways that he can present them in movie form is really impressive to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, very, very funny. Um, and equally, if not more so dark, mm-hmm. it's a tough, it's a tough watch. Um, I don't think it's, it's almost, it's funny. We did Logan for, uh, uh, fun and games. It reminds me of that in so much that I don't think I can watch it again for a while. 
Yeah, I had said that when we watched Logan, when we did yeah. Logan. I was like, I I don't know even if I need to see that movie ever again. I've seen a little bit of it one other time. I haven't watched that movie again since we saw it in the theater. Yeah, it's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is just, <clears throat> it's so, there are so many things that are happening. <laughs> like, so many responses from characters or, like, the way conversations play out that are just way too accurate as funny as they are in the in like the, the context of the movie it's just some of it's it really some of it's really clever some mm-hmm. of it's a little too on the nose sure. and like, i'm not saying there's no value in that at times i i thought they just leaned a little too heavy like too heavily on that phenomenon in it like I, some of it's definitely appreciated because it's just like what are we doing here yeah you know what i mean it's like fair enough right yeah, like, yeah. A, like someone kind of needs to say like we're all we've all thought it and if you haven't that's kind of concerning but like you know, but there's a there's a point where we don't need to oversaturate it with those things. I thought it became a bit of a crush at times, mm-hmm. even though like, I don't think it was totally like pervasive with that sort of stuff. I feel still think more of it was good than not in that regard. But there was just some of it where I kind of just rolled my eyes. Yeah. As much at the situation as at the deployment of the situation. Yeah, I could see that. I, uh, there is something very defeated in the writing of like, I don't know, I get, I get this message is coming across of like, yeah, you, you can, you can be completely right. And it makes no sense that there's even another side, but just being noble and sticking to your guns is not going to be enough. Yeah. And, uh, it's a real that that's a really dark message in that like you're not like you you don't have the power to get your point across. And that was I think the movie kind of eats itself a little bit at times mm-hmm. because on the one hand it's absolutely meant to be a rallying cry. Mm-hmm. Get up and be active and be informed. Yeah. And I I applaud and laud that sentiment. Mm-hmm. And I think that they communicated it fairly effectively. But so much of this movie also undermine that message with it doesn't matter if you have facts other people's opinions they feel like they're just as valid as yours and so why even bother you might as well give up because ultimately right they have to give up yeah it's like you can't tell me to get up off my couch and then also on the next breath tell me you might as well not get up off your couch because it's not going to do any good anyway Mm -hmm. i think i understand why he included both of those things because both those things are present but it's self-defeating. Yeah. But did it come from a place of defeat in making the movie? Well, that's the problem is I think he was of two minds, right? Where I think that where, where you get into some of the allegorical stuff, you have some of these things where, you, like, like, were you defeated on this front, but you feel like we can have a call to arms on that front? Mm. But it's hard to split those two things apart when you're, when they're all combining it together into one like so, like is the argument we can defeat big tech, but we can't defeat global warming? Like, I, like wh- wh- where are the lines yeah. drawn in that we can defeat this, we can't defeat that? Like, you know, can we defeat, you know, fake news, but can we not defeat voter rights issues? Like, I, but I where are the I, lines well, we're drawing? That you say that because I feel here. like what it comes down to is that what it's what it's doing by spreading itself thin is showing that there are so 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 many. Things that like need to be defeated or need to be worked on that like it's exhausting and it's beating you down or beating like the person down like they can't they can't get there like they just can't yeah. and I think ultimately 
in my mind, I, I feel like the message of the movie, like, is this person of making the movie is defeated by like, there's this thing. And, you know, we can do something about it. Fuck. There's this thing. <laughs> we can do something about it. No? Okay. There's this thing. Clearly, clearly, we could do something about this thing. Right? Well, this right? was definitely as <laughs> Sisyphean as a movie could get, right? Where you keep pushing the boulder up and having it roll back down. But, it, like, the last I recalled of the Sisyphus myth, like, he, every day he still gets up and pushes the rock up. I don't think the story ends with the rock crushing him on the way back down. But maybe that's, that's like, what he's taking away from it. It's, like, it seems that, like, you know... You're 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 told to keep going and keep going and keep going, but like there's all there's a big part of the movie that I feel like it and that, you know it's very much like on the forefront with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character of like anxiety and depression. Same with um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character; they both have it in different aspects and different different degrees of of those things. And like I don't know, I feel like that is part of it, right? It's like that anxiety is building and building and building. That depression is building and building and building because you keep trying to hold on to your like your beliefs and your you know your righteousness of like like this it, like I have like I have it right here like this is here is the math it's been checked 700,000 times like it's happening and like and then just being defeated by like it doesn't matter it doesn't like that's and it's, it's such a dark message but like that is that type of thing I feel like has Brought like such a rise in anxiety and depression, especially over the last few years, mm-hmm. that like I feel like that is that is a big part of the message as well. Is 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 no oh no here comes the boulder shit. <laughs> well, uh, there's, there's definitely and this you know to be fair, this is a, a I think a distinctly apolitical and very human nature stance, right? Where this is I don't think this this thing I'm bringing up is is actually like something that comes across party lines. I think everyone is really susceptible to this. Mm-hmm. There's the whole. It's like the bird in the hand worth being worth two in the bush, but like on steroids where sure. like, okay, there's a hundred percent chance this is going to happen. A hundred percent. Really? Okay. No, 99.7% chance or whatever. Ah. Oh, so there's a 0.3% chance. It's like, okay. So there's two sides to that coin, right? On the one hand, 99%, 99.7% basically functionally is a hundred percent chance. Yeah. This is going to happen. But on the other hand, if the other thing happens, it doesn't render that it was a 99.7% chance from happening because it's not 100%. It's a 0.3% chance. Mm-hmm. And they came out and said it, right? And, you know, I hate that when it was like, oh, you know, whatever walk of life, right? Whether it be business or sports or disease or whatever, right? There's a there's a 90% chance of this happening. S- fucking meteorology, weather, <laughs> right? N- 90% chance of snow. Yeah. You don't get a single flake. Oh, meteorologists don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. No, 90, 90% chance of it happening means there's a 10% chance it doesn't happen. Right. That means it could not happen. Yeah. <laughs> sure. You know, and like, and, and like, that's what I'm saying. I think that's a totally apolitical, like human nature sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. we all view those percentages as once it, once it gets six, substantially above 50%, like any, anyone can understand a coin flip. Could happen, could not, right? We're comfortable with 50-50, right? Mm-hmm. As, as like people... Like, and if that just goes down to if you're an adventurous type, you take the bet. And if you're not, you don't. But like, you can conceptualize. Yeah. But when things start to get to like 80, 90% chance of happening, there's so many people who feel betrayed when the thing doesn't happen. Sure. You know, and, and I don't know what it is in our collective psychology that makes us like happen. And like, so like, there's a part of that in this, in this story, right? And I'm not even just talking about the, 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 
the um the comet thing because obviously that is allegory for so many other things in life that are going on um and though some of those things can get political at times or not depending on what topic you're talking about but that mentality of like whether it be overconfidence in the, the statistics saying that it's a 95 plus percent chance or over pessimism of when something doesn't go to the the odds and it's like you feel personally betrayed by mm-hmm. it or whatever that phenomenon to me is fascinating mm-hmm. and i'm not yeah. saying i've never been guilty of those things i'm just saying like oh, is, i've I, i've observed that you know yeah. Yeah, no, for 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 sure. I mean, I think we're we're probably all guilty of the weather example. Yeah, well, that the, like to me, like that was like the most pressing, considering we had like a week ago. It looked like we were going to get crushed with snow here. I know you're a little bit yeah. further south than me, so I don't know what your forecast was like. But up here, as of Thursday, it was like there's a pretty good chance we're getting a foot plus of snow on Monday, and then Friday, it's like still a pretty good chance we're getting a foot to eighteen inches of snow. And then, like, by late Friday, it's like, it might be a couple of inches of <laughs> rain and ice. And it's like, huh. But, like, for us, it, like, my job, we had to account for that. Yeah. So I had off Monday well, because uh, of the I, snow. And then we got, like, four inches of snow. That's the difference, right? It's like, 50-50 is just is a coin flip. But, like, when you're getting into the 60-40, when you're raising above that, you prepare as it, you plan as if it's going to happen. Maybe yeah. not to, like, the ultimate degree if it's 60-40. Maybe you plan a little, you you know, you account for what's going to happen a little bit more at 70. It's really just the amount of risk you're willing to associate, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's really funny. This is completely ridiculous. I have this app that tells me, like, it's going to rain in three hours, right? And, like, we had a barbecue, I don't know, three years ago when barbecues were a thing. And uh, it, it was like, it's going to rain in three hours. And it's like, oh, that sucks. Um, and, you know, we, we started moving the stuff back inside. And it's like, it's going to rain in seven hours. It's like, huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> could move the stuff back outside, I guess. Ah, we'll just here. We'll just sit here. And then it's like, we'll hang out inside. Next alert. It's going to rain in three days. I was like, weird. Next alert. It's raining. <laughs> what? <laughs> and, and sure enough, you know, that was the only one that could actually be accurate. Like, it, yeah. it should just be binary. It is either raining or not raining where I'm standing right now. Starting <laughs> <Schrodinger> of rain. <laughs> <laughs> it's both raining and not raining, so, and you'll only be able to tell if you're standing outside your door. <laughs> I just remember being so thrown by, like, I was like, why do I even have this widget? <laughs> what, is yeah. it, what is its purpose? I mean, ultimately, it's just like, what, like, should I should I bring the umbrella is really what I'm getting at. And now I was like, you know what? I'll, I'm going to nip this one on the butt. There's an umbrella in the car. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just always there. Uh, <clears throat> but no, that, that's your your the risk thing is interesting. That 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 conversation really did infuriate me. though, right the the hundred percent ninety seven more yeah. ninety nine point seven. Like, wait, there's no way it's a hundred percent. Okay, it's fine. It's ninety nine point seven. Oh, thank God. I'm like, what? But you, you know. <laughs> Uh, but on top of that, there's like some some really silly moments too that, that like I liked that there was within this movie that had so many dark things to joke about. There were also like one off, just really funny nonsense things, like for no reason yeah, like, at all. I fucking love fingerling potatoes. That was a great, and uh, I was hysterical for like maybe three minutes yeah. <laughs> because of it. Uh, and I keep thinking about it, and I'm racking my brain over and over and over again. Why did he charge us for those snacks? <laughs> that was that was a great 
bit. Like that was, and that that is some true McKay yep. shit shit there, right? Because like, the, it felt like it's the water in the other guys or the kid the back on the escalator in Mallrats. It's yeah, like well, but not a McKay thing, but yeah, yes, similar similar vein of thing. But like you know, I'm I'm just picking like other like other guys. He definitely used that like device a few times, right? It's the it's the water. It's um. The thing about yeah, every time Mark Wahlberg, you know, it's Colombian druglets. Where are you getting that from, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, but that realization when she when she goes to the snack room to grab some <laughs> snacks, like how much is this? It's the White House. They're free. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, the, like the worst part about it too, right? Was because um, what's his name? Teddy. Mm-hmm. Teddy's like, I only got a twenty. Do you have change? He goes, No. Yeah, yeah. He just gives him the twenty. <laughs> I, I I could sympathize with so many of Kate's issues with what's going on around her in this movie. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the thing I probably sympathize with her the most on was he's a like when she comes back to it like the third time, he's a four star general. I just don't understand why he would do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I just it's so he doesn't need the money. That was that was my favorite bit in the whole. Yeah. It was just really cracked. That and fingerling potatoes. Uh, but the, I don't know. It's just the, I, I love, I did love that. Um, the whole, the news segment, the whole going on to this ridiculous news show. Well, we like to stay positive. <laughs> like that whole thing. Like we're just kind of, everyone is going to die. <laughs> and like, I just, the, the fact that they, each character, like Kate breaks way sooner, right? She just completely snaps on that show. And then like, uh, uh, was it Do- Mindy, Dr. Mindy? Yeah. He, he, he goes on numerous times over to, until eventually he snaps too. And like, that was really funny to me. Like eventually, like every, just also pointing out that everybody has their breaking point. Yeah. And like, you know, it might be for the same exact reason, but some can hold on a little bit longer than others or like, well, there was layers to that too, because there's the whole thing, right? Where they go to the meeting in the white house and he takes the Xanax, and he, but he's like, he's like, Oh, I only take a half. And, and she then she grabs, grabs yeah. and he's like, oh, you should be careful of this and that. And then they go to the first time they're on the Daily Rip and he, she goes to take it again. And he goes, no, 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 you, like, you shouldn't do that. And then she snaps and he goes, maybe I should have given her that Xanax. <laughs> he's still on live television. Yeah. He's, like, he's, he is supposed to be the credible scientist. And at this point, it doesn't matter because right? the, the White House goes on a smear campaign. They don't even bring up the fact that they could have gone down this avenue. But he literally comes out and says on television, I'm on Xanax right now. My, to you, the viewing audience who you think my assistant is psychotic, is not on Xanax and is self-medicating by stealing my Xanax. There's a whole, there's a whole path they could have gone down in this move. Like they would have been totally justified and justifiable considering like how we try, like whenever we see someone comes, whenever someone in the news comes out and says, you know, something we don't like to hear, which is like, right. Like that's so much of this movie, right? Yes. If if you present me facts that I don't like, I'm gonna find ways to discredit you. Like that's like that shit happens all the time, mm-hmm. right? You'll 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 hear oh whistleblower says you know you can bring it back to something like you know unnamed you know former engineer at Activision details rampant sexual abuse and rape and cover ups at Activision, and then this story starts coming out. Uh, this is just hypothetical, yeah. but like this shit happens all the time. Like Activision, you know oh oh did you know that this person once like smoked weed or whatever yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. oh yeah no you're right i'm not buying his story now and it's like what yeah <laughs> like that would have been totally justified for the i'm not like i'm honestly surprised the movie didn't chase that rabbit hole i i 
to that point, well, they, I mean, they cut, they kind of, the whole thing of like, don't look up is the part, is partly that though, right? Like, well, that's the whole, that don't look up is just a fake news thing. But right? that was, like, the, like, it's just, it's just fake news. That, right? as it was happening, I was just like, gritting yes. <laughs> my teeth and like stewing. But it's just, um, and then the, the doctor is like stopping in the middle of the road, just like staring at this guy going, it's like, it's, look. <laughs> It's right. It's right, you can see it. It's right there, which I guess um, is like the one bit at the end when like things get and it's most dire and defeated. Like you finally get that moment where everyone looks up, yeah, and finally admits it. Mm-hmm. It's it's the moment that we haven't gotten in the last. I don't know, pick your timeline, but five ish years. It's it's the moment that we haven't collectively had. Yeah. Which we so desperately need as people on like so many different topics. Sure. Well, and and again, I think that's also part of what uh, what they're driving at with this movie is we let it get sure. so far gone that there's there's too many that it's hard to it's hard to even start and <laughs> and fix one problem. <laughs> well, this this movie is like a trigger for that level of like that type of anxiety, and yeah. it's something that has coalesced really for me in the last several years is. And they're all kind of, it's kind of like there's a couple of main pillars all held up under the same thing. And it's the death of facts, mm-hmm. the, the corollary to that, that your opinion is equally valid to my fact. Yeah. Um, and the distrust of experts. Like, I, I'm not saying like an expert should never be questioned. I'm not saying that none of them could ever have an agenda or a bias that needs to be interrogated. That's sure. not what I'm saying. I'm not saying blind trust. Yeah. But that there is no trust. For expertise, actual proven expertise, mm-hmm. not self-ascribed expertise, yeah. right? Because, like, because we like that's another issue they tackle in this, which we see especially in the tech world. And it's a good thing they chose that sort of character who's supposed to be uh, Bezos, Musk, Gates type, yeah. Right? Like, like, <laughs> like all of them like lumped together, you yeah. know, and and many more. I'm sure I don't. Those three are just the most prominent names I could think of off the top of my head. Branton too, obviously, is another one. But like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I just. I can't stand that we, you know, we, we hero worship like people like that and nothing is wrong. Everything's great, you know, because they say they're the greatest at everything Mm. and they buy ad space and telling us how great it is. Like Jeff Bezos owns the fucking Washington post. There's a reason that the Washington post doesn't ever write anything negative about Amazon. We we can, we can all agree on that fact, right? Like whether you think that's the right, like whether you like Jeff Bezos or not Mm. is immaterial to the fact that like, there is no true journalism that that interrogates what Jeff Bezos does, right? And in the same method, we get this character who does that sort of thing, right? This, and he can just come and say, "I'm the expert because I paid for it all, and I'm brilliant." And it's like, okay, you say that, and I'm not saying you're not brilliant, but like, you're you have not yet demonstrated your expertise in this field. Yeah, you've demonstrated that you spend a lot of money on it. You've demonstrated that you're really passionate about it. You haven't demonstrated expertise. Mm. And you are going to supersede organizations and people who have demonstrated expertise. And that is infuriating. To oh, me. yeah, that, absolutely. It, it reminds me of this story that my sister told me where like, it made me, it actually made me feel like overwhelmed by all of this type of thing. Cause it was like, it was wrapped up in this silly little anecdote of she was teaching a class and there was an example on the board and they solved the example it's ma- oh, she's a math teacher. Solve it. Here's the answer to this math problem. It's on the board. And the student mm-hmm. raised his hand, their hand and said, I did it a different way. 
and got something else. <laughs> it's like, no, <laughs> you did. You didn't get a different number answer to the number problem. <laughs> and it's well, well, no, or I, you did, but it's not right. <laughs> well, no, I mean to be fair, right? Like you, you can sometimes you can go through a problem and maybe you miss a step or whatever, right? But like that's actually a teachable moment, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you show, you come up, you show us your. your this isn't like to to set you up for judgment or failure or whatever. Show me what you did. Your methodology may have been another way to get to the right answer. You didn't get that answer. No. But, so let's find out where you got it wrong along the way because now we get to learn two methods for the price of one, right? But Sure. But it, it got argumentative. Sure. And, that, well, and that's and, the it, problem. It, it depends how the, the teacher approaches, right? Where if they're just like, no, you're wrong. It's like, okay, that's where everyone digs in the trenches. And <laughs> like, no, like, let's let's... Like, that's the time to have the conversation, right? Like, we talk about that with so many other things. Like, can we have the conversation? Sure. On whatever it is, right? Let's establish the facts, and then let's let's winnow out the opinions. Because, <laughs> like, the opinions matter, right? And someone is more likely to be right than the other, possibly. We may be able to get to that point on some topics. I don't know. But the point is, if you can't establish what the baseline of the facts are, nothing productive can come sure. after that. Yeah. No matter what you're talking about. Uh... It's so funny how how um, man, I really didn't sleep well after watching the movie because I was so anxious. I don't know. Thankfully, that didn't happen to me. But um, I also split it up over two viewings, and like the second, both viewings. One of them, I was sitting in a car dealership for two and a half hours for a job that should have taken half an hour. Hmm. Um, and I watched about the first half of the movie. I was doing other stuff too. It was, it was. I mean, I was listening in like I had like you know Bluetooth headphones, and so like I, I was watching them in like. 10 to 15 minute bursts. And then I would, you know, get involved in a text conversation sure. or let me read something here or whatever, just to break it up. So I watched like the first half of it that way. I watched the next half and like another day, like I got home early. Oh no, sorry. I was off work on Monday. So I was watching it on Monday, like four o'clock in the afternoon. So, yeah. you know, I didn't have to worry about that sort of thing. Even if it did have that issue, like triggering for me right before going to bed type of thing. Sure. I, uh, Jonah Hill is so good at playing that character. Oh my god! I was as soon as they like really got into it, I was like, man, he really does nail this because it's like it's an even more souped up version of his character from like this is the end. Yeah, absolutely. He's just a total dick. Yes, and he was great on was that he? scene. Uh, the the uh, the addendum to that scene where he where she where uh, Jennifer Long- Kate is like you know I've been going through it over and over in my head. They're locked in that room. When he comes in and he like throws Cheetos on the floor and then like flips a couple of waters into the room and like says the doctor's gotta come with us. It should only be a few more hours, like you'll be fine. Uh and on his way out, she he was like, Oh, oh, do, do you wanna come? And she's like, Yes, and he just closes the door. Well, as you say, no, two two those are two separate scenes, but that you said that was the one that really got me is I think like the peak moment for him is when he calls he calls Dr. Mindy to come with him. And he goes, oh, did you want to come too? She goes, yeah, actually. And he just turns and slams yeah. the door. <laughs> so good. There's so many of those little things like where like they cut it like a face that he makes after one of them says something or when um, when the White House finally agrees to go with their plan and they come back to the two of them and they're like, oh, th- you know, thank you. I'm like, I, I didn't love how we got here, but I'm so glad that you're and like there's like the first time that we really feel like there could be a coalition here yeah. that we kind of put some of the stuff aside and get something done and to be fair she does like she doesn't have to say it no 
like she doesn't have to say anything and she's like i just have to get something off my chest and like oh i i i really want to hear what you have to yeah. say like, <laughs> the face he's making while he says it and i'm like oh god <laughs> yeah and that, I think that was that was another thing, right? Because there's like almost like a strong. That's like a strong. It, that was a commentary on like a strong personality from a different side of view, where it's like, I have to say something, and it's like, do you? Like, I may agree with you, but it's not. It's not going to do anything positive. Not productive. For, not productive yeah. at all. So like, you have to. You have what you have to do is find another way, yes. because what you're about to do is just going to cause more. Also, it's a great juxtaposition of overly aggressive with passive aggressive. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, butting heads there. I <laughs> uh, like some of, some of her antics were ridiculous. I love each time they cut to a new photograph of like her with like Steven Seagal and like yeah. her with, um, I forget who else was on there, but I just remember each time they showed us a new picture or a new little bit of like some clearly some lobbyists who had like bought her type of thing, yeah. all that sort of stuff around her. The whole thing about as they slowly unravel the fact that that he's her that he's her son, right? Because like at first you're just like, oh, like wow, he's like a weird like. He reminded me obviously of the Tony Hale character from Veep at first. Yeah, and then you realize he's actually Buster Bluth. Yeah, which is really funny because yeah, I think it actually happens pretty early on where Kate makes the comment of like, you know, I didn't get I didn't get my job by being somebody's. Well, she says it offhand and sarcastically. And it's, you know, it makes it seem like it's a joke that he's just, yes, not she's like, yeah. well, she's like, oh, what are you again? Her son? Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, that's funny, like, Dig. because he's up her ass yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and then you find out, like, no, no, he is actually literally that was her great. son. That was, that, that was a great setup and reveal, like, because they do it early, but then they reveal it later. And it's like, you have the, you haven't come back to it because you just assume that that was actually negating him being her son. Like, it was just yeah. a jab. But it, yep. w- it was it was such, it was a truthful jab. <laughs> really also, good. you start to get down to like there's some like Oedipus stuff going on sure. there where like and like even the president starts to like once in a while he'll say something and she'll like double tape and look at him like what? Yeah, <laughs> I do love though um, Jonah Hill his ability to drop a line really quickly in a sarcastic way that is it you pick up on it like. 10 seconds later, like, I don't know. They like walked into the room and he was just like, thanks for, uh, thanks for dressing up. And like, <laughs> and like, it didn't register for me at first. And I was like, Oh, well, what a dick. <laughs> well, but what's so great about it was it shows you just how much of a douche the character is because they had already spoken to him and like said, we were dragged out of our yeah. homes, put on this flight, jerked around, put up at a hotel. We didn't pack for an overnight trip or a meeting with the president. You just told us go to this tarmac and jump on this military plane, oh and then you're going to get them with the jab of oh thanks for dressing up by the way. Where the fuck were they supposed to get the clothes from? I, I also I love because it, it felt so it felt so real <laughs> when they're you know they're sitting there the entire day and he just pokes his head out like doesn't even step out of the room like pokes his head out. It's like it's looking like it's not going to happen today, <laughs> and it's it's so great like. He does know why we're here, right? Like they do, they do know why we're here. Like we're not just here for like, so and like when they come in, what's the angle or whatever? Like they they're like looking for money. They're right. like, no, could we just please not have the world end? Yeah, <laughs> like like the literal world ending. And also, like I just love the the way that that whole thing plays out. Of like, we can like we can fix this. 
Like, there's a way to do it. We need a hero. It's like, nope. <laughs> we can, it doesn't have to be a publicity thing. Like, we can, and then, and then, of course, the whole thing of like, okay, we believe you now. And it was specifically because information about her had been leaked. And it's like, I have to turn this around really quick. So I'm going to. I'm gonna just go with the fact, like, go with this thing that the world. And like, and, and what's her name? And uh, Kate calls it out too. And yeah. like, yeah, yeah, basically yeah. that's what that's what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my god. And then, it, could you imagine literally saving the entire world came down to poll numbers? Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> but like, <laughs> so when they're in the Situation Room and it, the you know the it's go the rockets are going off when that guy comes the the billionaire for a word and like we had already heard like made like there was already the comment about him being a, oh he's a platinum level donor to the campaign that's first off because well, they that hurt and then <laughs> it did but they had also they had already been leaving the breadcrumbs fat too because like we find out the person who's in front of like who's in charge of like the kennedy space center or no who's in charge of nasa or whatever yeah. right like was just a donor. She was yeah, a yeah. cardiologist or something, yeah. right? Or an anesthesiologist, whatever. I mean, it was. Yeah, they could have been like anesthesiologist. It's like she's an anesthesiologist. She doesn't even know any of this stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> and well, and that was that whole storyline was so fucked up. We're gonna need someone to take the fall. Yeah, and she's just crying in the corner. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, you literally told her to tell them to shut the fuck up because you didn't want to hear it. Yep, and now you're gonna make. her and also on top of that she was a donor and like that's what i'm saying like they left the trail of boy crumbs right where everyone around her is just the biggest donors which is a real thing unfortunately yeah. in a lot of politics i mean we saw it but, a lot in the previous administration and other administrations too like, like that's a real thing but like, sure there's people who are like woefully unqualified to be in their job and unfortunately a lot of presidencies i'm sure this current one is too i've at this point i've totally lost track of who's in what position mm-hmm. which is not good like i'll be the first one to own that i should whether i agree disagree like dislike anyone who's in those roles like i should probably know at least the really important ones mm-hmm. and i i don't because i've had so much fatigue from that yeah. for like years now that heard that uh <laughs> as this happens though and she pulls her pulls her out of the room my like i just had the singing feeling i was like oh no i was like he, he's like i know i know like i i just assumed that what was happening was like he wanted to like he wanted it to be his rockets not necessarily like the reason that it comes down to it. So I was like, they're just going to blow this mission out. Like, because as, you know, as annoying as that was, at least it's like, okay, you still want to do the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. But if we do the right thing, like we'll just have to stomach the wrong reasons. And like, that shit happens all the time. Right. Yeah. Like, and you don't have to like it. It's good to understand it and know it. Yeah. And try and find the silver lining in it. But like, if the right thing gets done, there's a certain element of, Fucking who cares? The right thing got done. And that's all that really matters, right. right? Like it is. The bottom line sometimes is all that matters when it comes to those things. Um, it's so infuriating to me the way that went down. Yeah. Um, I have to say, uh, by the end of like the first third of the movie, I think I knew that the world was going to end in the movie. Yeah. Right? Like you have to know. Like, oh, like yeah. early on, I, I, early on, like there's some hope. Even while they reach some initial resistance, it's like, okay, there's going to be a lot of tripping on rakes here mm-hmm. we're gonna be smacking ourselves in the face of the rake but it's gonna end up being one of those things where like the mission's like 60 percent successful and like the world survives but like all of europe got destroyed or something right like you like figure like they're gonna have a limited success mm-hmm. and after like the first third or half of the movie it's like no this is gonna end with everyone dying yeah, it's over. like it, like it really is yeah and him them having a good plan executing the plan successfully 
and canceling it because of special interests. Yeah. Like, and I understand, right? Like, like that's good allegory right there. It is mm-hmm. like that real. We've seen real like bill packages and laws and stuff that has just died on the house floor or whatever, or been so undermined and cor- corrupted. And again, this is bipartisan. This yeah. has happened for years and years on both sides of the aisle type of thing. Unfortunately, like that, that that's the thing, right? Big money runs politics, no matter who's in charge, mm-hmm. right? It's just whose money is it, right? Yeah. So that's one of the truly bipartisan things we can all pat ourselves on the back for being <laughs> equally corrupt, no matter who's in charge. Um, but just like, no, no, the thing has already been done. I can understand if you were trying to undermine the plan or you co-opted the plan. The plan was executed. Yeah. And then canceled. Not at the 11th hour. This was canceled at 12.01. Yeah. <laughs> and so that you could just turn a quick buck. Like, I don't. You had all those little things. Those those little drones couldn't have gone and picked the pieces of the broken comet and brought them back down. You, sure, you wouldn't have made like 5 billion percent profit. You would have made like a billion percent profit. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, if that's well, so. And, and then, of course, there's like the underlying factor of, well, if this doesn't work, like, I'll still be fine. Yeah, but which we don't know until the the final act of the movie. We don't know until the very end of the movie, right? That that's the case. Yeah. Um. But of course, you have to plan for that. I have to say that was another really great bit. Yes. Of of how we can even be, because we can read all of your heart and blood pressure and all of this and your family history and, and genetics. We have a really really good chance of predicting how you're gonna die. You're going to die sad and alone. It's like, okay, like they're doing, they're doing a little meta thing. And this is kind of a psychological thing as well as like a, a ploy and a play at the person and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. And okay, fair enough. And then he gets really specific, but also farcical when he's talking to the president and to have that wrap up in the post credits was really incredible. That was, yeah, that was a pro move. Yes. That was a pro story writing move. When, when the thing attacks her and like, oh my god, what is that? And he just drops the line. I, be- I believe that's called. <laughs> uh, that was really incredible to me. I also love that the president forgets about her son. And Jonah Hill is well, sitting the- in there while it's all coming down. He's like, she'll be back. She'll the best be back. part the best part was he, you know, he's going through all that and it's like, no, she won't, buddy. Like but also like you don't know where she's going when yeah. she leaves. Like you like you know she's fleeing the situation, but I don't know, like, was she literally fleeing, or is it just like I don't want the accountability right, right, right now. I yeah, I assumed that until we found out that they were leaving. And then she calls what's his name, and like they show her on the plane. I was like, she forgot her son. And then he says it like two minutes later, yeah. and she's like, "Crap!" And I'm like, "Oh my god, they were sitting next to each other. All she had to do was grab him and be like, yeah. we 'We're going.'" <laughs> I that I also thought that was really that was the interesting like defeatist, but also like okay with the decision moment when he was like there's space for you and your family and he's like we're good <laughs> i would it rather turns, die turns than out they continue would... on this way <laughs> also it turns out it would have been damned if you do damned if you don't because i don't imagine many of those also i like that they went for the joke of those creatures attacking killing them all of them probably yeah i would assume so that being said i think there was a moment for a pretty important like you guys scheme and plan for so much and didn't really plan for real because i don't think anyone who stepped off of that spaceship was under the age of 55 right so even if they didn't immediately get mauled by whatever those creatures were mm-hmm. they're That's all gonna it. die and there's no continuation of society mm-hmm. anyway so what did you actually well, that, and that was a commentary on people being self-centered but that was... <laughs> sure. no but my, my point was like i like 
to to really bring it home, like I would have liked that bit. I don't mind them going for the joke because the joke ended up being good. But yeah. like, uh, you probably could have found a way to shoehorn and get have your cake and eat it too. Sure. Maybe it wouldn't have been as clean, but I don't know. I uh, I do love in the well the scene of the of the dinner being torn apart by the asteroid, I uh, or the comet, comet, comet by the comet is hauntingly beautiful. Like the way that they did that, like the slow motion. Um, everybody looking at each other after like the conversation, but and even leading up to that, right? The rumbling in the house, but everybody like holding hand, like talking, just talking. Like keep somebody who's talking, they just like looking to that person. Just keep talking, <laughs> say what you're yeah. saying, uh, and then the destroyed Earth and the phone floating through space with the countdown having hit zero the, on the diet. The diet. Oh my goodness! How did you? When did you calculate the exact number? Uh, before we left, I put it in my diet. <laughs> that was clever. That was really good. It is very silly. We introduced the character Yule far too late in the movie because he like steals the show, as we mentioned. Yeah, it's almost kind of weird how like late and little like screen time he had to become so central. Like by the end, yeah. Even though he doesn't have a ton of lines, like he becomes a really important character to the ensemble. Yeah. Absolutely. You, what is it? Yule's got some church game. Is that what when he was saying the prayer at the dinner table? <laughs> yeah, that was a great. That was Which, a great line. Surprise of all surprises, that he like does like a really nice. I was I thing. was raised evangelist. Is that what he says when, when he meets? Uh, yeah, something like that. Kate. Yeah, <laughs> can I air it? Totally non-sexual. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a great creepy line. <laughs> when she lets them steal the liquor, and they're just all like, "What?" This is so great. <laughs> oh man, yeah, he's he's really fun. That uh, the boy does a great job in everything he's in, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he's a, he's a talented actor. I, I am a, I'm a little concerned he's probably super weird, like or like will go on to be super weird. Sure. Like he's gonna be Daniel Day Lewis, who like mm. that's clearly who they were making fun of with the Tropic Thunder character or Robert Downey Jr., where he's like <laughs> he doesn't know how to be a person anymore because he just lives characters I'm the dude playing another dude <laughs> they found me in an alleyway inside of a refrigerator i was trying to re-enter the atmosphere <laughs> <laughs> oh man i what it, it ridiculous roster though of talent in in this movie for for a bunch of jokes let's say another low-key one that we like didn't really address yet was ron perlman Oh my god! Just absurd so as absurd. whatever crusty, grizzled veteran that he was, and him shooting at the comet at the end, just holding a machine gun and firing up into the outer space to shoot the comet mm-hmm. was, I I guffawed in the middle of like a really dire yep. montage at the end of the movie, and also the constant well he's from a different time thing was really just every time they said it, it just cut like they just kept twisting <laughs> that knife. <laughs> it's just like god damn it uh, isn't that the guy the, well the best there was another actually it was like a really like kind of low-key like good like call and response joke was <laughs> they they said his name i don't remember the name of the character right and um dr mindy says something oh i know who that is isn't that the guy the crazy guy yelling that stuff on the white house lawn and you're picturing some sort of protester or a guy who jumps over the you, you see that every once in a while someone jumps over mm-hmm. the fences onto the white house lawn and he's screaming stuff or in the white house the secret security uh, secret security secret service, i like that secret secret service tackles them and all that stuff and 
No, he's a drill sergeant who's running children through, like, boot camp. Yep. <laughs> That's a great joke. That was. That was. Oh, man. Uh, I don't think I have much more on this. Let me see. I'm just going to pull up my notes real quick. Kind of just going off the cuff here. God, I hate the billionaire so much. I hate him. Well, we didn't talk. The other, the only like aspect of the movie we didn't really talk too much about was the whole Daily Rip thing with Tyler Perry and Kate Blanchett, and I didn't even recognize her at first. Oh yeah, she played so against type, and she did such a great job. I mean, she's a, a great actress, but you, you, I feel like you always see her play some version of like the stern, imperious woman. Yep. And to see her totally cut loose and play, she was basically what's her name from Parks and Rec. I forget the name of the character, but the. Uh, the 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 news anchor of like the local daily oh my show. God. She was basically that character, but like, well, hang like, on, what's her name? Joan. Joan Calamezzo. Joan Calamezzo. <laughs> she was basically Joan, but slight, only slightly less alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like she was a mixture of that and uh, like Elizabeth Banks from the Pitch Perfect movies. Well, I think basically she's supposed to be doing a version of like Kathy Lee Gifford. Mm. Because there was, remember there was that whole thing for years and years about, like, Kathy Lee, like, having way too up, much of an obsession with wine. Yeah. Where, like, they would do the SNL joke, and she's like, there was, they did the one where, like, I forget, was it Kristen Wiig who played her on Celebrity Jeopardy on SNL? And she comes to to it, and she brings a Ziploc bag full of wine. Oh, my God. I <laughs> she, like, vaguely remember this. snips open the bottom so she can drink the wine on the Jeopardy set. And Farrell's like, you can't have alcohol on the set. <laughs> she goes, it's fine. I brought my own. <laughs> She's trying to drink the wine. And, like, that. that's that's basically what this character is, right? Yep. It's, like a, it's a version of, like, the generic Fox News, like, anchor clones and Kathy Lee Gifford and, a, like, a touch of Joan Calabetto. Yeah. In that, plus Tyler Perry doing, I mean, I guess he's supposed to be Michael Strahan, right? Like, but even more fake than Mm -hmm. him in, like, that whole situation. And the two of them were hilarious together. Like, I guess the one thing that surprised me was that they don't seem to hate each other. No. When you always that's feel always like the, the like, case, right? On that every, cliche is yeah. always like the two of them are like, they look like they're the best of friends. And yeah, they're, they're actually, they, they are drinking until the end of time. Yeah, at the, at the end, it's literally just let's get together, drink, and gossip. Yeah. Right? That's how they decided to spend their final moments, the two of them gossip. Because should, should we, like, have sex or whatever? Yeah. No, let's just drink and gossip. And, like, they just they do just it. Like, that, which I kind of was weirdly wholesome to me yep. that, like, the two of them actually liked each other. The whole evolution of this is, like, again, like, other guys on steroids where the whole thing with um, all the attractive women being way too into Will Ferrell's character. Where everyone is super into Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio, who, like, this is not a good look for They him. kept calling like, him, like, the sexy doctor, right? Or something like that, handsome Yeah, yeah, the old versions of that. Yeah. And, like, but she's, like, it starts with her very overtly flirting with him and him having zero clue. Yeah. And I was, like, is she, like, but I, at that point, because it's a while before they go back on the show again, I thought that, like, it was, like, okay, this is, like, a one-off thing and that's just not going to pay off. That's weird. That doesn't feel like a... Adam McKay thing. And then, of course, eventually they go back on, and now she's, like, groping him under the table, yep. which is glass, by the way. Yep. And everyone can see Thought it. about that, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, they start dating, and they're just going about New York City, and, like, fucking everywhere, and it's, like, for, like, a month? And it's, like, at no, at no point you're gonna go home and see your wife and kids, and it's, like, okay, eventually that pays off, mm-hmm. too, but it was just really incredible. The evolution of that relationship was, it was obscene and hilarious. It absolutely was. Oh my goodness. Silly movie. 
Silly movie. Dark. Silly dark. This is the first time since like Death of Stalin we've done a movie quite like this. Yeah. My God. That twist of Death of Stalin being like 90% silly. And then, and then 10% getting oh, pitch black God. at the end. <laughs> yeah. They set a man on fire. Yeah. <laughs> they executed him by setting yep. him on fire. Yeah. They sure did. Al, do you have anything else on this movie? Yes. What was in her purse? What was in her purse? That felt like it should have been paid off. I don't remember. They kept showing close-ups of Jonah Hill holding the president's purse. And at first, I thought the joke was that he, like, he carries her purse or whatever. But it's like, no, it's, it's her son. They kept showing, like, zooming in on her purse, on his arm, mm. and it had a, a lock on the clasp. Huh. They zoomed in on it like three or four times throughout the course of the movie, and they never addressed it. It felt like a Chekhov's gun situation. something in there. Yeah, I, don't, I actually, you know what? I didn't notice. Or if I did, I didn't retain it. Yeah, I didn't really notice it the first time. I Because I, I noticed it, but I threw it away because I thought the, it was supposed to be buttressing that whole joke about, like, what are you, his son? And, like, because I think at that time, I, and maybe I'm misremembering the, like, the sequence of events, but I was, like, I was wondering, oh, is it secretly her lover? Is it her son? Is it just some... Like, kiss a blackie. Like, what is the situation? Okay, he carries her purse. Again, like, that's kind of very Buster Bluth type of mm-hmm. thing. But they kept zooming in on it, and they kept showing that the clasp is locked. Huh. So it's like, okay, at some point, they're going to pay that yeah. off. And they don't, because I think he's still holding the purse while he's saying she's going to come back. Which is interesting, because it would seem that her phone would probably be in the purse. I could be misremembering. Maybe he didn't have it at that point, but I, I feel like I remember No, he, he does have it. He has it in, right? in that final, when he's like, she'll be yeah. back. I thought so, yeah. yeah. So I, I thought it was weird that we never paid off what was good. Like, if you're going to show it locked, like, if there's no lock and they just kept showing him holding the purse, like, it's just like a running bit of, like, okay, like, sh- he's just her errand boy, and that's that's fine. But the lock made it to me, like, I thought, like, it wasn't like a huge padlock, but it was clearly Maybe locked. Maybe there's a deleted kept, scene somewhere. I kept expecting there to be some payoff to that, and there wasn't, which really isn't a big deal, but it's just a surprise for something. For so many jokes have been set up, and become recurring and then to be closed off at some point. Yeah. Like I, I was just surprised that they didn't address that in some way. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in the Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to Flicks in the Six at thespintune.com or tweet us at thespintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanza. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for coming out. A bobus feature fat. Episode four, The Coming Storm? Gathering. The Gathering Storm? I only remember that because in The Expanse, when they have the time jump between the sixth and the seventh novel, there's a big ramp up in technology. I won't get into the specifics as to why, but there's a big ramp up in technology. And one faction develops these handful of like super battleships that no one can come close to contending with with one of them, let alone all three of them. Mm. And one of them, all of them had names like that. One of them was the Gathering Storm. Gotcha. And another one was the Heart of the Tempest. And there was another one that was like, something along the lines of, Whirlwind was a part of it. They, they don't talk about that one as much. I don't remember what the whole detail was. But like, each one of them was like, named like a phrase like that, mm. involving like, like the Gathering Storm, the Heart of the Tempest, and there was another one. So I, I, I it sticks in my mind, because Gathering Storm is one of the ones I talk about a lot. So Nice. I, uh, this was a good one. 
interesting to dive right in uh, to the old. And again, I don't actually. I don't even know where the split was on this one. It might have been like a seventy thirty old new, or or maybe even eighty twenty. It's no, no. It was pretty close actually. It was probably fifty five forty five old. Was new. it? I think I so. I can't remember. I don't think so. It's mostly old. There's a lot that happens in that old part. There's a lot that happens in the new. But part, the old part ramps up very closely to new. Is I think why it may feel that way. Well, I think there's a couple of periods of slow with big stuff like kind of bookending it, mm. maybe? Well, the and only thing that happened in the current timeline were the the meeting of the families. <laughs> and the meeting of the, of the four families. And going to the, um, going back to the casino and finally seeing a Wookiee rip somebody's arm. That was, Which is a great was payoff. Pretty, I, I, I yeah. appreciate after last week's episode that the Wookiee ripped somebody's arms off. Well, yeah, and also I, I had said it was pretty disappointing, that whole thing. And I was I was kind of a worried. I was like, they can't really write him off after the show after that yeah. pittance of a... And now he's part of the crew, and that's cool. Yeah, and we'll see dope. more of him, I'm sure. But I, I don't know. I thought there was more. I don't know. Maybe it was 60-40 or something. Then, uh, I didn't feel like it was 80-20, but... Uh, the, so I feel like this was a lot of like... But what if they just do X? Like if you think about... Like if you're watching a movie and you're like, why don't they just do that? Right, and then when they drop that seismic charge <laughs> in the Zarlacc, that I was like, "This is everything I need this show to be." <laughs> also, we got to have, relive that fantastic sound from Oh, I love it, Attack of the Clones. That 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 it's such an iconic wow. sound. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. The effect of the of the rippling throughout the sand underneath that was so awesome. Um, also, when they're when the ship is is face down, like going into it, I'm like. Why are we doing this? I was like, I know that regardless of how prepared I am, this is a jump scare. Like I can't, yes. and, I, and I am at the will of the director because there's nothing I can do about it. And sure enough, because the worst part is, is like, it's going to happen when no, okay. It wasn't then it's still going to happen though. Well, it wasn't then it's still going to happen though. It wasn't. Oh God, there yeah, it is. They, <laughs> right. and, and the way they got away with it was they're like, Oh, they're going to slowly show the mouth. I was like, Oh, that's weird. I wasn't expecting it to be. And then, then they do it. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it was really cool to see him get his ship back. I am curious, is he going to lose the ship at some point between, or like... No, didn't he? Does he still have it? No, he he had it, right? Because when he shows up on the Mandalorian, like, that's how you knew he was there, right? Because didn't you see Slave 1 buzz by? I don't remember that. I thought it did. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it must have, because they when when they capture Grogu, the death troopers or whatever the mega troopers i forget what they're called they blow up the razor crest and they leave on slave one don't they oh you may be right it's slave two though i think boba's ship oh, slave two uh, yeah sorry uh, it, it may... yeah, Django's ship was slave one i think you might be right that sounds that actually sounds familiar i did i thought it was really cool to to now to finally like link back to the episode where we saw the feet and fennec yeah, and like, just build on that story, and like the whole like, I don't know, bring her into the cyberpunk video game to get her fixed up <laughs> was pretty cool. Uh, and then like the idea of like the whole middle, like I was like, I feel like I would have noticed this at some point before, but like obviously like she probably like has it covered up. Yeah, now that, that was awesome, and like there was also su- super random cameo that I had to look up because like it was great because I was like. I don't know who this person is, but this is obviously a cameo. So when the episode's over, I'm going to have to look uh, it up. And it's Thundercat, I think is his name. He's a bassist. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was. 
fuck, I forget the name of the band already because it wasn't a band that I knew. It was, he's from like some like thrash metal band or something like that, which surprising to me. But um, he had a he had a whole vibe going on. I was I was curious. Th- Thundercat from Suicidal Tendencies. Okay, I was kind of curious, like all the all the members of the different houses that were sitting at his table, like. Who were they? Like, I feel like they were people. Like, they were like actors. Like <laughs> that. That we probably know. It's possible. The only problem is, like, I don't think IMDb yet has like the updated like all of the right. characters in that episode. <clears throat> I know when I checked a few hours ago, they didn't yet. But so there's a couple things we got to talk about. Um, that pet life. So first off, the rancor <laughs> showing his hand was pretty great. And then, and also like great how like because I didn't recognize at first that that's where they had the table set, <clears throat> yeah, right over the the cage. So that was a cool way to do that. I, I agree, that was awesome. And like, and and you know, showing how um, trained the rancor is at this point that like he only like made noise and did that when Boba won was pretty great. And then two, I like that they are they are they keep showing this connection between him and animals, and he white fangs a bantha. Like that. <laughs> Wait, how do you know that phrase? <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, and the other thing that I have to point out with the Bantha was, you know that like decorative Chinese dragon that like a bunch of people are in, like for like different celebrations. Yes. When he's riding the Bantha in the beginning, it is like certainly that. <laughs> like. like- Suppose that's a reasonable assumption. <laughs> but that was that was pretty funny. I also he was like just, it's like go on get. <laughs> oh man. Um Yeah, I'm looking through the cast list right now. So obviously Robert Rodriguez um reprised his role as Doc Strassi, the Trandosian. Um Barry Lowen was Garfalakwax. Was that the one that the that eighty eight was translating Maybe. for? He was a stuntman in The Mandalorian. Um, he has, yeah, he's been a bunch of uncredited roles. He was some sort of stormtrooper on The Mandalorian. He's been a bunch of things as like uncredited or like their shorts. Um, but it looks like mostly what he's done is stunt stuff for this. Actually, he doesn't really have much credited work even as a stunt guy. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. Um, who else do we have here? We have Frank Trigg and Con- Oh, those are the Gamorian guards. The Klatuinian boss was Phil Lamar. That was... Was that the dog-looking people? Maybe. I guess what it was, right? <clears throat> Phil Lamar is the one who does all like, the voice acting work, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, he has done 500 acting credits as voice acting. Nice. Guys, yeah. You would definitely recognize him. Oh my god, I looked up his name. His is voice. he Ollie? Holly. Family Guy. <laughs> oh, yes, actually. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, that's cool. I I loved the whole like infiltrate the palace, get the get the ship out, and I even loved the ridiculous kitchen scene. Like oh my ridiculous gosh, stupid droid running around kitchen scene. That that one droid with all of the, the knives was terrifying. He was doing like General Grievous, but like lo fi. Yeah. And it was pretty, and then she just she just cuts his little head off. Yeah, I actually felt a little bit bad for that poor guy. The little little uh little rat catcher robot though, that was pretty good. A nice a nice uh, call and response of like call the rat catcher. 
Yeah. And you don't know. And then, and then this little like weird rabbit robot with a net comes in. And then when is faced with certain demolition, just <laughs> turns himself off. <laughs> you know, what he reminded me of was, um, you know, like March of the Wooden Soldiers. Yes. Like, the little pigs and or the little Mickey Mouse ripoff character. Yeah, yeah, I can see that from my vague recollection of that movie. Uh, we like I usually watch like my dad loves that movie, hmm. so like we always watch it at, like Thanksgiving, like early in the day. I I expected a little bit more of the escape, like with the ship. I mean, like that final set piece was was fun. Um, that poor gonk droid that got lit up by uh, Fennec. Yeah, I did love. Who, who knew that shooting a droid would have that sort of explosion. Yeah, that was sad. I did <laughs> I did love that uh just the look in his eyes as he wipes out the speeder bike gang. Oh that yeah. was like so badass. And then of course like <laughs> I, like all of them. Why did he waste that yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, all right. This is a little gratuitous. Like I get it, but it feels wasteful. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And then he's like, my armor's in there. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> this is a way. Well, I was a little concerned. Like, I understand why he doesn't know where it ended up. But, like, but he doesn't remember escaping. He doesn't remember that he had it on when he got out. Like, I understand if he didn't know who took it from him or how he lost it. But he didn't remember that he clearly used the armor to escape. And so he was wearing it when he got yeah, out. Yeah, that's that I thought was a little strange. But I could see I could see how it was that he maybe doesn't remember anything from that. Sure, it was a traumatic experience and he was probably dehydrated and starving yeah. and delirious and all that stuff, but like So at the end of the episode, um there's a you know the the comment of like we can buy muscle. Um <laughs> which I'm sure is gonna be an interesting thing in the next one of like who they're going to go buy. But one thing I thought was interesting, they played um, the music from The Mandalorian before the credits rolled. Like in that scene, it's slow and low over their conversation, and it rises a little bit before it stops. Then the credits start to roll, and they play the Boba Fett. See, I didn't notice it there. I just noticed it when he's going to meet Fennec. They played it then when like that flash is happening across the yeah. dune sea. Like they play it for a second because obviously that's the connection point is the Mandalorians there with Fennec. Right. So that's why I was curious though, like at that end, like are are they going to be recruiting some somebody that is connected to that show? It would make sense to bring him back in this point in this role if that was what they wanted to do. Yeah. Right. Especially because it would be pretty pretty easy. You could just have Pedro Pascal jump into a recording booth and record like six lines right. he doesn't say have much. to bring him in in the uh well you don't have to have him in the suit right you don't have to see him he's rarely in there anyway right he was in it more in the second season apparently oh. he was like hardly ever in it in the first season yeah and then it sounded like he was in it a lot more in the second season yeah interesting yeah i'm all the, I'm, I'm really enjoying it it's not like it's not groundbreaking it's not the best star wars thing but it's it's entertaining enough yeah, I mean, I would argue it wasn't even good, really, for the most of the run so far. Like, I thought this episode was good, but um, the more I think about the show, like, they're really cheap on some stuff, and I don't know if that's pandemic related. I was curious but, about that myself. Like, it it seems like there's like there's an idea here that we can explore, and then we don't. We just kind of, like I said, like when they were escaping with the ship, I feel like that could have been like so much more dramatic and like explosive and like fun and heavy hitting, but it was really like it's kind of just stuck in here, and then it gets well, out. There's just like so many scenes where like the fight choreography is bad. Yeah, or like and really like, slow. Sl- well, bad and slow and like low tech, mm-hmm. and it's like 
that was always my fear was that they couldn't do a good Star Wars show because it would look cheap. Mm-hmm. And the Mandalorian mostly has gotten around that. There's still been times where I've kind of seen the cracks, but for the for the most part, I thought they've it felt like Star hey, Wars. I think I think the Mandalorian looks fantastic. At times, it's not all the time, but at times this feels cheap. Yeah, I get that. Um, I am curious. I feel like it's going to be like one of those things where like the last like two or three episodes are going to be like bonkers. Oh, maybe it's one of those things, right? Where like me and Brian were talking about it because we watched. Oh, I totally forgot what we, what we're consuming. The series finale of the Expanse was this mm. past week, um, which was nice to see it send off the way it did. It wasn't perfect, but it was understandable considering they gave an abbreviated season and all. But mm. um, we had talked about how like there wasn't a ton of action in the season, and they basically had said it coming out ahead of time. I was like, listen, we wanted to use that budget for real on the final climactic sequences and they nailed all of that really nailed it so i wonder if there's something similar here where they're gonna have some huge pitch battle in the final episode sure. and well he's gonna to ride a rancor they have to make that look good right he's gonna have to ride a rancor slave one's probably gonna come on the scene Two. we'll see if the mandalorian and like the dark saber is a part of it and sure um we're gonna see a an army of pikes versus an army of ragtag assembled fellas of you know him, between him and his Gamorians and Fennec and the modded people and can he recruit some dances with Tus- Tuscans and um, you know can we get this dances with Tuscans well there's been a lot of dances with wolves jokes about this show so far there's very heavy dune references which actually get more and deeper each episode um, like obviously to whatever extent like Star Wars has always relied on dune which I didn't realize until like embracing that mythology a little bit mm. more in recent months um but this show in particular is really heavily leaning on Dune in a lot of ways. Um, so I still think he'll recruit some Tuscans. We'll still oh, yeah, see. I would hope so. There's still some fun intrigue. Like, I'm still curious what ends up coming about of this whole um, mayor thing mm-hmm. and being on the lamb. Um, the butter lamb. 